Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The Carl Nelson Show. And Grand Rising family, thanks for joining us on this Elite Day, the last day of February 2024, also the last unofficial day of Black History Month. Later, Doctor of Clinical Psychology Jerome Fox will return to our classroom. Doctor Fox is the author of the best-selling workbook, Addicted to White: The Oppressed in League with the Oppressor, a Shame-Based Alliance. Doctor Fox contends that there are five core white values that many blacks are addicted to, which in turn gives tacit approval to white domination. But before we get to Doctor Fox, uh, 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 Professor James Small is here. Professor Small, good morning. Good morning, Brother Carl. How is everything? Good to have you back. Before yes, uh, before that, uh, let me just tell you what's going on here in our studios, uh, 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 Doctor uh, Professor Small. We're having a radiothon, a St. Jude radiothon, and what you're doing is collecting money, donations. If you want to become, a, if you want to donate or become a partner to St. Jude, just give us a call at 800-411-9898. That's 800-411-9898. I'm going to give it to you again. I'm going to talk about it all morning long. And if you're hearing this in the afternoon, too, you can know, because it's, it's, we're doing it all day. Because, you know, families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. So the families can focus on helping their children live. So, again, we're doing this all day here at Radio 1-800-411-9898. Now, uh, Professor Small, last day of Black uh, Black History Month, but I ask you about Brother Malcolm. Brother Malcolm yes, is, you know, symbolizes what, what Black History is all, is all about. Can you, do you recall when you first met or came in contact or heard about Brother Malcolm? Yes, sir. It was, I think it was the spring of 63. I actually saw him on the television. I'd never seen anybody quite like him other than my grandfather, but he was even, he was on TV and my grandfather wasn't. My mother and father had moved to New York just a few years before to find work, like most of us from the South at that time. And so I told my mother I wanted to meet him. And sure enough, in the summer, she had my brother drive me up to New York, and I met Malcolm X in the summer of 63 on 141st Street and 8th Avenue in front of the food family supermarket. And him and his crew, he wasn't passing it out, but the brothers who was passing out flyers against the march on Washington. And so I spoke with him about, he spoke with me, it was a friend of mine, Flight, who was with me. And he spoke to us for about 10 minutes. I only remember one line of the conversation where he told us we needed to stay in, in, in uh, school, that education was a major part 
of what was going to free our people. You know, because I was talking about leaving school and, you know, joining the nation. I thought you had to do that that way. And so he was the impetus for my going to college, going back to South Carolina, going to college. I never saw him again. At the end of the school year, after I went back south and thought I was a militant Malcolm X, I got railroaded into the military. The day I graduated, I had to get on a bus and go to Pensacola, Florida, Naval Air Station. And I would never see him again. He would die while I'm in France. Um, I would come home a year later, join the organization headed then by his sister. Three months, I would become... I think two months in, I became a bodyguard. Four months in, I got elected as the imam over the Muslim mosque Inc. that he founded just before his death. So I got very close through the years until her death with his wife, Sister Betty, Dr. Betty Shabazz. And I was a bodyguard for 18 years of his sister, Ella, and an official in the OAAU and went to Mecca in 1974 as imam of the Muslim Mosque, Inc. A little bit of the I background. Let me jump in and ask you this, though, ask you this though uh, Professor Small. Why, why was he against the march on Washington? What was, it, what was his objections? Because he felt that the march, as it was constituted, had sabotaged the original march, which was going to Washington, which was led really by the labor, the black labor movement, and they were talking about shutting down the Capitol. So President Kennedy called in Dr. King and the others and literally, with American corporate structure, financed the takeover of that march away from the labor movement. That's why you didn't see a James Baldwin speaking there or, or, or the, what's the white actor, Marlon Brando speaking. You didn't see a Stokely Carmichael speaking. You know what I'm saying? They cleansed it. And like Malcolm would say, they, they were asked to come into town and get out of town before sundown, which they did. Whereas the original march <clears throat> was talking about coming in and, and, and shutting the Capitol down as a protest for dealing with, you know, not just the voting rights, but dealing with the the whole way labor movement and the way black people were being paid and the whole wage structure in the country. Um, that was crushed by the powers of of the the big six. They weren't the big six. The only one was big then was really Dr. King. Uh, the others would become big for a minute in history. But this was all financed by the Kennedys, by the government, and by the white corporation. And that's where the Beard Rustin story comes in. He was brought in as an organizer to control the buses across the country so that the bus corporations would only rent to these people. There's a whole lot of other aspects of it. But it was actually the March of Washington that we know that is such a great moment in history was the sabotaging of another march that was scheduled to go and close Washington, D.C. down. Did not know that. But uh, Malcolm attended the march, though. 
He, yes, he went to, as an observer to see what was going on. Him, like Adam Clayton Powell, was not invited to address the march. Powell was a much more accomplished civil rights leader at that time than Dr. Martin Luther King. But Powell was a much more radical um, figure than Dr. King. And he was an elected official. He was a congressman. You know, James Brown, James um, oh, Baldwin, the most accomplished poet in the country. Why isn't he there? Marlon Brando, the most accomplished actor at that time, but because of his radicalism, he's not there. Sophie Carmichael is a part of that whole SNCC movement and the whole voter registration thrust in the South that was causing much of the crisis in the South for blacks who was working on voter registration. He's not there. Um, and many others. They simply took over the movement from the radical black left and the labor movement who, who, who initially initiated this march. And you mentioned that the Kennedys had a, handed this. It's nine after the top. They are family. Oh, yeah, JFK. He called how would you to ass- the White House. He called them to the well, White yeah, House. Well, I was going to ask you this. Them. Yeah. How would you, because, you know, back then, in, in our, growing up, you had the picture of, of Kennedy and, and King, <laughs> you know, in your home. But was he, how, how did you see, see uh, JFK? Was he a friend to black people? He didn't deserve to be on a picture in any black home. But he had to accommodate the black movement that was pushing for voter registration, that was pushing for the voter franchisement, that was pushing to have true school integration. At that time, you had um, black girls being bombed in their churches. You had people being murdered in the streets and lynched. He had to do something if he wanted to get elected again with the black vote. And so he was playing for the Democratic Party. The same thing we see going on right now. Uh, what has Biden and this Klan done? I haven't even heard the Black Caucus speak out on any significant black issues in the last four years. Um, we're taking care of everybody else's issues. But the Kennedys, the Kennedy was trying to save the Kennedy dynasty. Of course, somebody else killed them. Um, but they had thought to him and his brother they had intended to at least have another four years. And you couldn't have another four years without the black vote. But you couldn't have, you couldn't run for president again if you allowed a bunch of black and white radicals to come and take over Washington, D.C. and close it down. It didn't even have to be as radical as the thing Trump and his people pulled off. At that time in history, any demonstration that closed access to the Capitol and to the White House would have been considered catastrophically radical. And so it had to be stopped. And so the march was taken over by the government and, and the corporations and the unions that um, Kennedy and the Democratic Party controlled. Wow. And you say what's going on now is similar because we, we, we're hearing not, well, not hearing a lot from, from the Black Caucus or from finally yeah, the Black clergy has spoken up about Gaza. The Black Caucus affect about Black people's issues. They don't speak about the 
hundreds of thousands dying in the Congo every every week, every month. They're not talking about the homeless situation in the black community. They're addressing the illegal immigrants who they're calling asylum seekers. When does asylum seeking become the the term for illegal immigrants? When did illegal immigrants stop being illegal? You know, and yet each of the cities where the majority of the black population is that's controlled by the Democratic Party, the Jewish uh, Zionist movement, these people have created these sanctuary cities to bring in all of these nearly millions of, of free labor um, or people who will take jobs below the current salary and and you're really creating a whole new slave trade but you're putting billions of dollars to take care of this population while the African-American poor whites and blacks are sleeping on the streets as homeless or caught up in the whole prison cycle because you won't spend your money on the taxpayers and their families, but you're spending billions, tens of billions on people who are illegally in the countries, and you're calling yourself sanctuary cities, all of the major cities where we live. Hopefully we haven't lost Professor Small. I heard a blip there. It's 13 after the top of the hour. But we've got to remember that the, these cities have been targeted. These are in, in the inner cities, too. They come to the, the urban centers, but they don't send them into into the, to the suburbs. They just send them into the inner cities because to create conflict. You know, they don't send them to the Dakotas or Wyoming, uh, places like that, uh, the wide open spaces. You know, they send them into the inner cities to create a conflict between black and the and the immigrants. So anyway, we'll deal with that when we get Professor Smallwick. I heard a clip. I think his phone dropped. It's 13 after the top of the hour. We've got to take a short break and we come back. Family, you want to join this conversation? It's the final day of Black History Month with our guest, Professor James Small, one of our grills in our community. Reach out to us at 800-450-7876. And we'll take your calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. And good morning, family. 20 minutes after the top of the hour, the final day of Black History Month, the official Black History Month. But, you know, we do Black History Every single day here at WOL and WOLB. I guess this Professor James Small. Before we go back to Professor, just remind you right now we're doing a radiothon here at Radio One for the St. Jude uh, Children's Hospital. So you can call in right now to become a partner in Hope by dialing 800 411 9898. That's 800 411 9898. You know, every child deserves to live their best life and celebrate every moment. Your support helps St. Jude give kids. With cancer, a chance. Again, that number is 1-800-411-9898. If you're hearing this on a rebroadcast, you can still donate. The time doesn't matter, even though we're doing it live right now at 21 after the top of the hour on this Thursday, the 29th day of February. Professor Small, you mentioned that you went to yeah. went to Mecca. Can you tell us how what was that like? Because, you know, we keep hearing about Mecca and, and how it changes people's lives. Because Brother Malcolm said he changed his life. Did he, did he do the same for you? It didn't change it in that that much or in that direction, that Malcolm, because once I left Mecca, I never went back to teach in the mosque again um, <clears throat> because the fears. 
it was a beautiful experience in terms of the historical pilgrimage, going through all aspects of it, you know, circumnavigating the Kaaba, uh, doing the Sapa and the Marawa, running between the mountains and drinking at the Zamzam well, all of the things that Malcolm did. <clears throat> and I was with his nephew, Rodnell. We went together, and we even went to the hotel where he slept, and we wanted to sleep there. They didn't have any room, so we took our sleeping bag, and we camped out in the lobby. <laughs> they gave us security to protect us while we slept there all night. Um, but the, the racism, the anti-African racism on the part of white-skinned Arabs, I don't know how Malcolm missed it, but he didn't. He just didn't want to talk about it. It was just too much for me, um, and it opened my eyes to understand what colonization of the mind really was about. And I ran into some conflicts there, and the Saudis turned me over to the American consulate and the Central Intelligence people, and I managed to escape from them and spend another two weeks hiding down in Mecca, and when I came up to Jeddah, they did approach me, and I went into the headquarters and I had a good talk with them, and they let me walk out. They would again stop me at Kennedy Airport and interrogate me or interview me, but they were very kind. I give them credit because the Saudis thought that I was um, not I wasn't doing it, holding what they call a tea shack forum every night. I had my books on black history, and I was teaching Africans on the continent about our slavery and condition. And the Saudis had an issue with that, especially when I was teaching the Nigerian army, which was there in Mecca in 74, because the year before there had been a lot of attacks on African persons by the white-skinned Arabs. So the Nigerians sent in their armies to protect the Africans, and most African nations fold in under the Nigerian flag. And so I took refuge with the Nigerians as well. And so I didn't have the pleasant time, even I had a very educational experience in Mecca, and I did the full hearts. And like Malcolm, I went before what most African-Americans don't get to do, most people don't get to do. I went before a body called the World Muslim League, the Rabatalim al-Islamim. And I was ordained by them. That's the highest ordination body in Islam. And I was ordained as the imam to teach in the hemisphere. And I had a lot of other experiences. The, the most fantastic experience I had while I was at the Rabatel, you remember David Marcos was in the government in the Philippines, and he was fighting a war against the, the Muslim guerrillas. Well, the day I went to the Rabatel, they couldn't meet with me because they were holding negotiation with the Marcos government. But the word somehow got into the negotiations that I was there. So the young Muslim rebels stopped the negotiating meeting because they wanted to meet the Black Panther from America because that's how they identified me. And when they came into this big room where I was, now the entire council that I was trying to meet with is there because they had to suspend this negotiation. And in come these young men about 20 of them from the Philippines, dressed in black beret, black leather jacket, black fatigue pants, and black shirts. And they come in front of me and fall to their knees and raise the clenched fist and say, Black Panther. And I started crying like a baby. I'd never seen anything quite like that or felt anything quite like that, that the world was waging 
a war of revolution. And they saw our struggle as an example of how they should wage that war. Amazing. And this, uh, and Professor this Small. In the, in the sanctum of the Rabat al-Islamin in Mecca. Uh, uh, Professor yes, Small, uh, Brother Malcolm, he when he went to Africa, when he went to Mecca, all these places that he went, you had, you had leaders of African nations who, you know, wanted to meet with him. Why? What, mm-hmm. How did they see him? What was that all about? How? You explain that to us, because you know, first, if I go to Africa, you go to Africa. I'm not saying I'm a, we're on Malcolm status, but you know, you mm. just don't meet with the pre- presidents and prime ministers right. of, of countries. What was it about Malcolm that the African leaders wanted to meet with him? Well, he was one of the most outspoken um, critic of America at that time in history, and Malcolm had done something no other black leader had done. He learned to use the media. He created the, the two-second soundbite, you know? And he had learned to use media like no one else in the world had. And no one had vocally challenged America in the way Malcolm had. And because he was a Muslim and a Christian nation, he got more attention from especially Africans, when nearly 50% of the population is Muslim. You know? And so they, they saw that as a big deal. Plus, you had at that time, most African nations were just coming out of colonialism. Twenty-seven after the top hour, Professor James Small. So, Professor Small, fair to say that they've got probably an extensive uh, file on you there <laughs> with the FBI. If they've been tracking you when you went over there, life is full of things to manage: your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta Ofatumumab twenty milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hopefully we haven't lost us. Professor Small again at 28 after the top of the hour because this phone line keeps dropping. But Professor Small is our guest family. It seems like we may have lost him again. Uh, 800-450-7876 on this final day of Black History Month uh, for this year, 2024 officially. But for, for us, you guys know that we do black history every single day. We're here. We're part of black history. It's just being here is just part uh, as a black person that's living right now. You're part of black history. But this is what Professor Small is, is t- talking about. And he's going to tell us uh, later on about his trip. He's going to uh, upcoming trip he's going to make to uh, uh, South Carolina. He's going to tell us about that trip. He's going to make a speech at a plantation. They, they roped him into doing that. So we're going to hear about that. But he's back again. So Professor Small. Yes, sir. We're talking about Malcolm and why the Africans saw him in such a light. Remember, most African nations were just freeing themselves from colonialism 
at that moment in history. Most Asian nations were freeing themselves from colonialism, and what was being formed was what got to be known as the Third World Alliances, the, the Alliance of Non-Aligned Nations. And so they saw Malcolm as a hero to them. He was advocating freedom in a way that they were hoping for freedom. And so being a Muslim also allied him with so many people in the Philippines, were Muslim, much of Asia were Muslims who was getting their freedom. You, much of Africa who was getting their freedom, they were Muslim people. And so they saw this African-American Muslim speaking out against colonialism, speaking out against imperialism, speaking uh, against the assassination of Patrice Lumumba, which is happening at this moment when Africa is fighting to get free from colonialism. So they saw him as a hero. And they saw him as the spokesperson for African Americans. And so when he went to Mecca, that that gave him a big, um, gave him big credentials. But I don't think Mecca changed Malcolm as much as people would like to dream and think. I don't think Mecca changed him at all. Malcolm knew about white Muslims before he went to Mecca. Um, Malcolm had been to the Middle East before in 1957. He had been to the Middle East and Africa and Turkey and Egypt with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. So none of that was new to him, you know. Um, it, 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 it would be crazy to think that a man who was that big a Muslim in America didn't know they were white people in Islam. That's insane. And he lives in Detroit. <laughs> okay, with the largest yeah, I, Arab population in America, Muslim population in America, even at that time. Yeah. So it's a myth to say he went to Mecca. And he over-exaggerated that for the obvious reasons. He was trying to find a new movement. He was trying to break with the nation. But if we know his history, the man had already traveled to the Middle East a decade before. He had he had he had lived among white Muslims in 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 Detroit, in Michigan. He had traveled all around the country. He was here in New York with the second largest white Arab Muslim population. Um, even though they were practicing a lot of racism, and we weren't allowed to come to their mosque. A lot of people don't know that history. And so Malcolm was a part of all of that, so he knew that. So going to Mecca was not the shock of seeing white people praying. That's so that's white people pushing that and scary Negroes pushing that line. The change you see in Malcolm is after he goes to Africa, into inner Africa, and he's dealing with the, uh, Jomo Kenyatta, and he's dealing with Isikwe in Nigeria, and he's dealing with Kwame Nkrumah in Ghana, and he's dealing with Che Guevara, who meets him there. He's dealing with, with, with looking at the concept of non-aligned nation. He's dealing with the radical politicians from Kenya and Tanzania. He's dealing with the radical politicians from Uganda. And they're discussing how African-Americans and African, when Malcolm coined the term African-Americans, he said he coined that to include every black in the Western Hemisphere. It wasn't just coined for those of us here in the United States. He said that. 
and his efforts is to try and unite the Caribbean and African America and the Central South American Africans like Brazil and Colombia with the continent of Africa. That's what got him killed. Because at the you, same you know time, what? the African nation. Yeah, well, hold on right there, Professor Small. We got we got to take a small break. When we come back, I'll let you expound on that. Your reason why you think he was assassinated, but from your research, when we come back as well, can you tell us if Malcolm was aware of COINTELPRO? Not maybe not by name, but knew that he the the the, the government, uh, not necessarily J. Edgar Hoover, but the government itself, the government of the United States, were after him, were monitoring what he was doing, and and. And trying to different plots to place people against us, keep black people fighting against each other. How, to what extent, if you can tell us that you, your research has shown you that Brother Malcolm knew about that. Family, you want to join this conversation, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. You too can speak with Professor Small and take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL for information is power. And good morning once again, family. 21 minutes away from the top of the hour with Professor James Small as we close out the official, unofficial Black History Month. And we chose Professor Small because very few people have the length and breadth of experience that uh, Professor Small has had, as you've heard from this previous conversation. But before we go back to him, let me just remind you, kind of later this morning, we're going to speak with uh, a, a doctor, Dr. Of clinical psychology, Jerome Fox. And tomorrow, of course, is Friday, and we'll give you a chance to free your mind on our Open Phone Friday program. We begin promptly at 6 a.m. Eastern Time, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. Also, we're doing a radiothon right now for St. Jude Radiothon, and if you can join, you can become a partner in Hope. Just call 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Because remember that St. Jude has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% in 1962 to 80% today. So this is another reason why you can, uh, you know, decide to help St. Jude's. That's what we're doing here at Radio 1, and we're going to do it all day today. Even if you're hearing this on a rebroadcast or a podcast, you can still contribute. Again, that number is 1-800-411-9898. Professor Small, my question to you is the fact that what Malcolm was doing, obviously, was a threat to the government. But at any time from your research... Did you find out that he knew that he was being followed? He's, he, you know, that the government was on, you know, looking at, at into him and possibly what we now know. And if he knew, then I'm, I guess later we found out the name was COINTELPRO. But did he know anything about that? Hopefully, we haven't lost the Professor Small again. It's, uh, hopefully, his phone hasn't dropped. But anyway, let's see if we can get him back at 20 minutes away from the top of the hour. Uh, Kevin, see if we can get Professor Small back. I think if he's phone money to drop during the break. 800-450-7876. Family, if you want to join this conversation with Professor Small, you can do that. But right now, we're doing a radiothon as well, simultaneously. So if you're listening to us anywhere around the world, you can join in on the radiothon. 800-411-9898. That's the number to be a partner in HOPE. 
You know, we talked about St. Jude. St. Jude provides customized care for some of the world's sickest children, regardless of their race, ethnicity, beliefs, or ability to, to pay. So with your support, St. Jude can provide cutting-edge treatment at no cost to families. Uh, unlike many in, the, in this country, many countries, only one out of five children who develop cancer will survive. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer, no matter where they live. And, you know, we're always at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to stuff like this. So we've got to get, we, you know, we've got to do our part. We've got to pull our side of the wagon. So if you can help, and again, if you listen to this on a rebroadcast or, or in the podcast, you can still donate. It's 800-411-9898. It's 800-411-9898. And the professor's back. So, Professor Small, my question to you was, was about the, the COINTELPRO issue that we learned about later on. Did Malcolm have any inkling that that was going on while he was doing his thing? Absolutely. He spoke about it in a number of speeches that last year. He even said that the nation was thoroughly infiltrated. And he talked about J. Edgar Hoover. But he talked about the fact that he was, you know, his organization was infiltrated. There's a couple of speeches where he addresses this issue. I don't think he realized how, because they were approaching him. You know, uh, two weeks before he died, I think, he talked about it where well, he was approaching Rochester, New York, and they offered him money to, to, to just stop talking, stop speaking. Of course, he turned it down. I don't think he realized until that last month or so the danger that the government posed. By this time, you had the Justice Department watching him. You had the State Department watching him. You've got the FBI. You've got the CIA. You've got Army Intelligence. These are the group that made up COINTELPRO. It wasn't just the FBI. And Army Intelligence was a major element of it. And especially when the, when the, the Justice Department and the State Department uh, began to scrutinize his speeches. And, and because of the situation that was being faced by the world, the non-aligned nations, the nations that were just being freed from colonialism in Asia and Africa, were forming their own organizations. America was trying to pull them into their camp, America and Britain, France. Russia is trying to pull them into their camp, and China is trying to pull them into their camp. Malcolm steps into the middle of that with his critique of America, racism, imperialism, and colonialism, which he referred to in a speech he did in Africa as dollarism. It is a fantastic speech that he does on capitalism, but he doesn't call it capitalism. He calls it dollarism. This is a few weeks before his death. And so they're watching him because he's messing up their game and trying to woo these new nations into the Americans' camp. And I, I don't think he realized until the last minute how serious his situation was. He said it. You know, he said, I know it wasn't the nation of Islam trying to kill me because they couldn't do this, this, and this. You know, it had to be the U.S. government. He knew that. He knew the government had infiltrated the nation while he was still in there. And he spoke about that. You know, I don't know whether anybody was calling it COINTELPRO at that time, but um, we wouldn't learn that name until years later, the days of the Panthers. 
um, with Gene Roberts. But Gene Roberts is the same guy that is, who testified against the Path of 21. He was the same guy who had infiltrated Malcolm. That's the man leaning over Malcolm's body on the stage as an undercover agent. So, you know, he, he was conscious that I don't think anyone knew the degree to which this Quintel uh, Pro would go. We saw it with the murder of Fred Hampton. We saw it with the with the, with the attempt with the murder of Zaid Sakoa on, on the turnpike, and with other of our leaders, we saw them just outright assassinated. No one knew this was the government. In many instances, they made it look like it was black on black crime, and Malcolm talked about that extensively that they would do this and make us think we're doing it to ourselves. Well, let me jump in and ask you this, a 15 away from the top down. His disagreement with the nation, is it because he wanted to speak like he spoke afterwards and was sort of shackled, or was it no. something else? No, that's the myth. Malcolm didn't have a disagreement with the nation. The nation had a disagreement with Malcolm. Malcolm was, was a purist, and there were people in the nation of Islam who was criminals, all right? Um, in, 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 in 1963, uh, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and peace be upon him, was very ill. And at Savior's Day, I think it was in Pennsylvania. Then he brought Malcolm to the stage, and he told him that this is my heir apparent. Well, people went crazy after that. There were those in his family, his children, his brother, and others. They didn't want Malcolm to take over the nation if the old man died. There were temples and 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 Philadelphia who was doing stuff they shouldn't have been doing, and others who did not want Malcolm to take over the nation. The the brother-in-law, the son-in-law of the messenger was the head of the FOI, and so that meant that's the military arm of the nation who was already fighting with Malcolm, the national spokesman. So to make the FOI the primary head of the temples rather than the ministers. And so there was an internecine war going on there between the military wing and Malcolm, who represented the ministers, on who would be the true leader of the temples. And so you had all these things going on inside, and you see the first sign of it when Ella pointed out to him in July. He said, Malcolm. Your article that appeared in the newspaper that you founded, Malcolm X founded Muhammad Speaks, in his basement in Queens. Okay, And so from that February, when the announcement that he was the heir apparent until that July, when Ella pointed out to him, his article that he was writing every week never appeared in the paper. He was so darn busy, he didn't even realize it. So the conspiracy to oust Malcolm started before the death of John Kennedy. The death of John Kennedy and the speech of chicken coming home to roost just became an excuse and an opportunity for those elements within the nation that wanted him out. He did not leave the nation. He got ousted from the nation. And his negative retort in the last few months of his life against the messenger, which I'm which he had never done, I'm sure he did too, only came after he, there was a number of attempts on his life by known members of the nation that was known to him in New York, in Detroit, in L.A. And so 
he felt, okay, they're trying to kill me. I got to fight back. So he was not the culprit. All during that period, and these letters on tape, he taped the letters he sent to the messengers, asking the messenger to bring him back. And that he would still, he didn't even care if he wasn't the minister. You know? But those letters never reached the messenger. Thank God he had them all taped, so we got the tapes. But no, Malcolm X is not the culprit. He, the, right. the brothers and sisters in the nation, not all the brothers and sisters, most of the brothers and sisters in the nation didn't have anything to do with that argument. They were just people worshiping and trying to build a nation. But you had people in leadership and you had people who were opportunists, both in the family of the messenger and in certain temples around the country, from Jersey to Philly, to Boston and other places. They wanted not to have this man who was this righteous moralist taken over when they're still doing a lot of illegal and surreptitious stuff out of the temples. And Malcolm was Ten no away from the top there. Let, let me ask you this about the bombing. And he, and oh, he Malcolm developed, developed the FOI. Organization. Yes, he did. And they were brutal. And he, he brought that brutality to them. So, you know, he, he even said it once, I know what they're capable of because I created them. Wow. And so, I learned a lot this morning. But let me ask you this, Professor Small. You're 10 away from the top there. I will come up on a break real soon. The, the, the firebombing of his home in Queens. Do you remember that? Do, does anybody know who was behind that? I, if I had my brothers, the, the brothers at the temple was capable of doing that. They were doing a lot of stuff against one another, um, different black uh, elements. But it, it looks more like a COINTELPRO operation to me. You know, what they wanted was a fight between Malcolm and his new group and the nation. And so they were doing everything they could to instigate such a fight. And Malcolm didn't want such a fight. You know, and I think today with all of the evidence we have from the government itself about their involvement in his assassination and their involvement in the instigating um, the, the differences and the difficulty between him and the nation and others, it is clear that if anybody bombed that house, and I could be wrong, but all of it looks like COINTELPRO to me. And and it seemed to be heavily supported by the very documents, you know, working on the Godfather of Harlem and having the Malcolm character in that, as I was as a consultant, we got a lot of documents from the government. And ABC Disney had the money and the capacity to get a lot of those documents. And things you saw, we say, the CIA, we were talking about the. We even used the name of the of the real CIA dude who was trying to kill him in the movie. A lot of that is history. It's not myth. Okay. This came from their own documents. And, and, and so, having said that, we're coming from a break. Uh, Professor Small, I'll let you address this when you come back, because knowing what you know and what the places you've been and the people that you've been around, 
obviously they've got a file on you. Have you requested a copy of your of the Freedom of Information files on yourself? If so, could you share what was in those files? And and if so, can you tell us where you're surprised or anything that you saw the government? Because they've been watching you. You know they've they've been doing that, and they do have a file on you. For, 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 and I'm sure you know that as well. So I'll let you talk about that when we come back. And also I want you to talk about this trip that you're coming up uh, shortly to go to Charleston. 800-450-7876. Join us as we close out Black History Month unofficially right here with Professor James Small in Baltimore at 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL where information is power. Good morning, family. So, a minute after the top of the hour, I guess is Professor James Small as we close out Black History Month uh, 2024. And he's giving some some historical stories here, and he's involved in these stories as well. Before we get back to him, though, let me just remind you, we're doing a radiothon here for St. Jude all day long here at Radio 1. And if you want to join in, just call 800-411-9898. You know, it don't have to be a lot of money, just whatever you can afford. We really appreciate it because no families in St. In Jude's receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, for traveling, for housing, or food. They do so so they can focus on helping their children live. So we'd appreciate it if you want to join us. We're doing it all day long here at Radio 1. Anywhere you're listening to us, whether it's on a podcast or a rebroadcast, just dial up the number, 800-411-9898. Professor Small, my question to you before we left for the break was, all these places and spaces that you've been in, they've got to have a file on you. <laughs> they've got some question. Have, have you requested a copy of your from the Freedom of Information? And if so, can you share with us what's in that file? Yeah, I'll, I'll come to that. But let me just, I was just reading yesterday, and there was a memo from the State Department while Malcolm was overseas, and the statement was that if Malcolm was able to sway just one African leader to get up before the United Nations and condemn the racism in America, they would consider that to be catastrophic. Okay, that's their statement. And now I'll come. So we to let you know why they wanted to kill this young man. And the other thing, never forget, two weeks hence the date of his assassination, Malcolm X and Ernesto Che Guevara were the keynote speakers at the Non-Aligned Nations Conference head by, held by Ahmed Bambela in Algeria. They did not want him to speak at that conference with Che Guevara. You know, so we know. And, and before him. before we leave Malcolm, though, was there was somebody he was meeting with in Mecca or or somewhere in Africa that was assassinated? They say at the same time or around the same time Malcolm was killed. Right, the brother from Kenya. Um, I forgot his name. He's listening, but he was killed uh, about. A, Less than a week after Malcolm, he was the one that was helping to facilitate getting a couple of African nations to give Malcolm their time at the General Assembly for him to make a speech condemning America. And they weren't going to let now, that happen. Yeah, yeah and, and having said that, do you think the State Department, their reasoning was that they thought that Malcolm was probably being used by, by some of these quote-unquote revolutionaries, so that's why they had to put a stop to it? Is, is, was that their thinking? 
No, their thinking was they knew who Malcolm was. Malcolm had proven the kind of teacher he was. When he met the Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the Nation of Islam, they had a couple of thousand people. The Nation of Islam that you knew was built by Malcolm X as the national spokesman for the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. But he built that Nation of Islam into what you saw, and he did it in 11 years. They knew what his capability was. They knew what his skills to talk, for convincing, for debating, for organizing, for, 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 for what's just that word, negotiating. And the fact that he had hooked up with uh, Che Guevara and the fact that he was going to come before the non-aligned nation to make a speech. And you remember, America is trying to woo those non-aligned nation into their camp. Russia is trying to woo them into their camp. And they were afraid Malcolm was going to tip the scales towards the Soviet Union. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Well, I'm going to ask you this question, though, Professor Small. How did Malcolm acquire the, the, the that charismatic speech? You know, he, even journalistic uh, techniques that he he knew. He didn't go to grad school. He didn't go. He didn't go to college. How did he? How did because he, he was a skillful debater as well. He he taught himself. He he's a self-taught man, you know. And I always tell people if you really want to understand Malcolm X. You have to, I was, you know, I give him certain, in one sentence, Malcolm X was transformation through education. All right? He transformed himself through self-education. The man read everything that wasn't tied down. He read the dictionary from cover to cover and tried to remember it. You know? He, he was that kind of mind. He was always bright in schools. He, he was the top of his class when he was in school as a youngster. So he had a good foundation. He was living in the house when he moved to Boston with his sister, Ella, a lady who had gone to Spelman. And he was also living in the house with his sister, with his aunt Gracie, who had graduated from Spelman and was a teacher in, in, in Boston. Not aunt Gracie. Aunt Gracie was also in the house. Um, Aunt Sarah, Aunt Sass, was the teacher. So he, he's in this environment. Plus, while he was in prison, you know, Ella was the one that fought to get him to the prison where there was a library. Right? That was Ella doing the mythical person they put in the movies, just a mythical person. That was Ella who got him moved to that prison where he could get to the library, and he used that library and with his brothers all being in the nation from his foundation, they were visiting him in prison, and they were instructing him and informing him. So he knew a lot about the nation before he got out of prison. 
but he studied profusely. He read everything he could get his hands on. He was one of the most self-educated men we know. And no one could say, you, you could bring your PhD, but he did the wrong door to open. You know, he's an extraordinary scholar. But because he didn't have the credentials from the European universities, people don't accept his scholarship and his brilliance, you know, and the fact that he is extraordinarily learned intellectually and could articulate that intellect. Yeah. That's what made him Malcolm X. Uh, and, and you, I'm sure, the question for you because I know you're going to Charleston. Tell us about that as well. But your your freedom of information file. Have you requested? Yeah, I tried to get my information once. I had a lawyer, Ron McGuire, who was with SDS at the time, and they wouldn't give it to me. They told me my file was still active. I didn't think I was active, but <laughs> they think I was active. Um, they follow me. Go back to high school. Um, you know, very active in the military. I was a, a a war resistor in the military. So, um, you know, they they always had a file on me. I remember when they um, when Malcolm was assassinated, and my big brother, who was in the OAU, sent me all of the clippings. I was just leaving France. I was out at sea in the Mediterranean. When I got this big packet and and all of the clippings and Malcolm had been assassinated, and I put it in a big portfolio, one of these big photo album books, and the CID raided my locker and took it. The CID was the Central Intelligence Division of the Navy. I didn't, I was like 19 years old. I didn't understand why they took it. But it would surface, it would resurface in 1968 in a court case I was in in Boston, Massachusetts. And that's when it all made sense to me. Okay, I was testifying for a member of Malcolm's family who was on trial. And yeah, I was lying. And that's what you're supposed to do if you want to get somebody free. Yes, I was lying. And these two men came up to the court, and the DA brought them before the judge, and they had all of these papers on me. It was about almost a foot thick, man. And in that stack of paper was my portfolio that they'd stolen out of my locker in 1966, 1965. And they told the judge there was nothing I could say that was worth believing because we lost that trial, because the judge believed them. That's not quite true. I was not telling the truth then. Of course, I was trying to help a brother get free. But um, that's when I realized that. And I remember Ella was in the court with me, and she pointed out that they had all of this stuff on me. That meant that all of this stack of papers, I didn't know what all that stuff was. So, yeah, they do. I'm sure they have an extensive file. I'm the only one who has been an imam of the Muslim Mosque, Inc. I did travel to Mecca. I was Ella's bodyguard. I did work in OAU. I did work with Black Liberation Army. I did work with Black Panther Party. I'm not ashamed. I've never hit none of that. And I've worked with many other formations 
in the black radical movement, both here and in Africa. And so, and, and, and that they may have tried to cause harm. Yeah, I tell you, I was arrested. When I say it, people think I'm joking. Does that make it sound like a joke? I'm in Jeddah, right? And I got the Negro Almanac. Remember back in the day, we didn't have many books. But if anyone knows who the ne- what the Negro Almanac is, it's about two inches thick on black history, and it was being sold by the NACP by college students who was coming to your door. And then I had Jay Rogers, black man of color. So when I got to Jeddah, and I meet all of these African soldiers at this tea, tea shack, I'm talking to them about our history. They had never heard about slavery. They didn't know we had gone through this thing. And they came back with their generals to tell them, and the generals come in and said, none of this stuff is true, what I was saying. And so when I showed them the books, they sat there for hours, those those officers, and the next day they came back for 200 men and said, teach them. I'm in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. And so the Saudis considered that I was holding a T-Shack forum. They didn't like it. And so they called me in for something, and they took my $500 for some kind of, I don't really remember what it was. So I called my wife and asked her to send me some money. I go to the bank to get the money. Everybody's treating me very friendly, very sweet. All oh, the Muslim from America, Muslimin, Assalamu alaikum, and also. When I come <laughs> back to pick up the money, I'm greeted by two CIA officers from the American consulate who tells me that the Saudi government want me out of their country and that they were going to take me to the consulate and then send me home. You know, my first thought, if they give me that consulate, it's a wrap. <laughs> so, so I started crying like a baby. I'm going to tell the truth. I started boohooing, told them, thank God, because I was out of money and I was hungry and I wanted to go home. But I know white people because I'm from South Carolina. I said, you know, Rodnell <laughs> is with me, Malcolm X's nephew. I'm supposed to meet him at 4 o'clock by such and such a place, and he wants to go home too. So if y'all just let me go meet him and I get my luggage and stuff, we meet you back at the bank. They fell for it all, oh, and I escaped the CIA and Saudi Arabia, right? I got down in Mecca, and I hid out in Mecca for two weeks. And when I came back up to Jeddah trying to get home, and they, they were denying me to fly out of the country, um, a, a, a young CIA man, jeans and sneakers, came up to me, told me who he was, and they had these mobile homes at the airport, and so he said some people wanted to talk to me because they they couldn't figure out what was I doing by myself over there in Saudi Arabia, black American. And I told him, no, if I go in that thing with you, y'all just going to kill me, and I ain't going to do that. And something inside of me said, the hell with it. I went inside. And the people were courteous. They asked me a lot of questions, and they let me go. And the young man, when we got back outside, he said, see, I told you. I wouldn't let nobody harm you. And he said goodbye to me. I wouldn't see them again until I get to Kennedy Airport. And a young, they pulled me off the line. By this time, I'm very sick. I got malaria. I'm exhausted. I'm broke. I hadn't eaten. I was stealing food to eat. Things had gotten really bad for me over there. And so they pulled me aside. And the young white guy is going through my stuff. And he says, 
asked me why I was there. I told him I was on a pilgrimage. I was an imam. And he screams out aloud, uh, aloud, why can't you be a good Christian like everybody else? Just a whole airport hit him. <laughs> so the, the big guy came over and told him, put Mr. Small stuff back in his bag. Send the bags on to Boston, because I was living with Ella in Boston at the time. And he pulled me to the side, and he apologized. And he gives me $50. The CIA gives me $50. He said, we know you broke. We know you been hungry. <laughs> he said, buy some food. Right? I was so happy for that fifty dollars. <laughs> for some food. Now you can't make this stuff up. You know? Wow, what a story. Hold that thought right there, Professor Small. We got to take a short break here. Family, you want to join this conversation? It's Black History Month, the official closing of Black History. But as you know, we do Black History every single day right here on WOL and WOLB. It's, uh, we'll be back in four minutes, though, with Professor Small. And Benny Long Beach has a question for him. You, too, can join us right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information his power. And good morning and thank you for staying with us, family. 21 minutes after the top of the hour with Professor James Small. Before we go back to the professor, let me just remind you, we're doing a Radiothon all day today here at Radio 1, St. Louis, uh, St. Louis, St. Jude's Radiothon for our children. And you, most of you know, or some of you don't know, that every child deserves to live their best life and uh, celebrate every moment. Now, your support helps uh, St. Jude give uh, children with cancer a chance. St. Jude has helped to push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% in 1962 to 80% today. And that's just with your help. So if you want to help, 800-411-9898. Again, that's 800-411-9898. If you're hearing this on a rebroadcast podcast or whatever, you can still donate. Again, that number is 800-411-9898. So I mentioned our guest is Professor Small this morning. He's in our classroom. And Ben in Long Beach, California has a question for you. Good morning, Ben. Is Ben there online too? I'm not hearing Ben. Professor Small, are you still with us? Yes, sir. Okay, so we'll get to Ben. We'll get to Ben later because I think he may still be there. <laughs> There's some issues with the phones. But Professor Small, you're going down to uh, Charleston. Can you tell us about the trip you, you're, you're about to take to Charleston? Yes, I'm about to run out in about an hour, leave for the airport. I'm going down to. Charleston, a suburb of Charleston, it's called Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. It's right outside, eight minutes outside of Charleston. And I'm going to Boone Hall Plantation, which is one of the biggest plantations in South Carolina, founded in 1681. And during much of slavery, they had one of the largest population of enslaved people in that area. They had something like about 300 persons on this plantation. Um, they went into indigo at first and then into cotton and then, believe it or not, into making bricks. The black folks, the enslaved African brothers and sisters, were making bricks because the two men who bought the plantation from the original owners were architects. And so they became the main supplier of bricks for building Charleston. And then they went into pecans and became the, the largest pecan growers in North America. Um, and in the process, they en enslaved 
hundreds and hundreds of our people. And so, and, and because the black folks were making bricks, they built all their homes with bricks. So they call this slave street. It's the only surviving houses from that period of time, what they call antebellum, and, and, and on a plantation down there. And so they've turned it into somewhat of a tourism museum. And they've put together a beautiful museum. I haven't seen it in person, but I've seen it online. Uh, the history of the plantation, the history of our people on there, even dealing with some degree of the genocide that took place. So I don't think they realize I'm coming to town, <laughs> but I'm the keynote speaker tomorrow night. And um, and then I'll be speaking in the community on Saturday um, also. Um, and what I'll be talking about the, the the enslavement process, but I'm going to talk a little about uh, African civilization before slavery, and then I'm going to talk about our accomplishments after slavery, including our involvement in the uh, Civil War. And, you know, Harriet Tubman fought down in South Carolina. She led some of the best spy rings there was in South Carolina. Um, Eartha Kitt came from South Carolina. Dizzy Gillespie came from that whole area. So I'm going to be talking about how the spirit of African people didn't get broken, you know, and that we fought for our freedom. The first South Carolina volunteer was the first organized group of Africans fighting for the Union Army during the Civil War, and they were fighting in the field before the 54th Massachusetts was formed. And I'm sure a lot of them came from that plantation. So that I'll be talking about that. And, and trying to make it plain, like Malcolm said, and not worrying about who's deep gets stepped on, because I think three mayors of surrounding towns are going to be there. And and this this plantation is one of the biggest tourist sites in the South. So all the big boys are going to be there. So they're going to get their little booties whipped a little bit on what history should look like when you tell the truth about the genocide call enslavement in America. Right. I wish I could be a fly on the wall for that one. The 26th after the top of the hour, Professor Small, as you mentioned, Ben is holding. And thanks, Ben, for being so patient. He's online, too, calling from Long Beach out in California. Ben, good morning. Yeah, Dr. Small, uh, thank you for coming on. And I have uh, several questions here for you. Number one, uh, was it inevitable that Dr. King and Malcolm X uh, would be assassinated? And looking back, 2020 hindsight, do you think there was anything that you could have done to stop the assassination of uh, Malcolm X? And I have another question after that, please. Well, i answer the last first. I don't think anybody could have stopped the assassination of Malcolm or Dr. King because it was the most powerful government in the world set out to kill them. The government of the United States killed both of those men. And they had yeah. the technology, they had the assassins, and they had the tools necessary to do it. Malcolm's sister and, oh. thought that he could escape, and she did um, buy tickets for him to leave this country the Tuesday after the date in which he was killed. But he never made it to Tuesday, and he was going to be flying to Beijing, where uh, offered him sanctuary. And I'm sure the Americans didn't want that either. Also, uh, Dr. Small, my last two questions are, are these. 
uh, considering all the vast knowledge that you have, uh, did you have you ever feared for your life uh, from the government? And uh, my uh, last question is, why hasn't there been a similar caliber of leadership like Dr. King and Malcolm X? There just have to be other kings and Malcolm X's among us black people. And I'll take the uh, answer offline. Thank you. Well, I think one day the African world will call Dr. King and Malcolm prophets of the highest order. I think they were spiritual beings. They were spiritual men um, who God had reached into in ways that all people don't get reached into in that way. God had given them a gift to bring light, to bring truth, to have courage, to have tenacity to go up against the most powerful political instrument in the world. When you read Dr. King's speech and you read Malcolm's speeches, you can't tell the difference who is speaking most of the time. We confuse Dr. King with the one or two speeches they play over and over for us, but that's not the real Dr. King. And we forget that not only killed Dr. King, they killed his brother shortly thereafter and killed his mama in the church. And we, we just let it go by and don't even have a conversation on it, you know, because we're dealing with a very vicious force. And and that killed many of our people. But those were the two that had the greatest ability to organize large elements of our population like no other person was able to organize since Marcus Garvey and maybe Booker T. Washington, who would come after Marcus Garvey in terms of organizational skills. But these two men came at a time when the technology and media was there that allowed them to organize and to get their message out to people and get a response for that message. And, and the West was afraid of that. Anybody that could organize black people, they're afraid of even today. Implicit in his question, though, Professor Small, is that the, there's a fear amongst us as a people. That's why we haven't yeah. seen another Malcolm or, or Martin. No, you've got you've got young people out here that that are extraordinary. Some may be more brilliant than Malcolm and Martin in terms of their their information and their skills, but Malcolm and Martin came at a particular time in history where we had never been able to use the media in the way those two men used the media to reach masses of people with their message ever before. And they came with, both of them were ministers of God. One was an Islamic minister and the other was a Christian minister. But both these men were deep, deep believers in the divineness of of the divine. They, they saw themselves as servants of God. That's why I said one day they'll be, we will declare them prophets, because that's what they were. As much as Abraham, Isaac, Moses, or any of them were, all of them were men who came to their people under difficult circumstances and taught them and caused them to rise up and fight against those difficult circumstances. And both Malcolm and King did that in extraordinary ways. You have a lot of young people out here now all over the African world that are putting the message out and, put, and, and, and doing extraordinary jobs. 
But the media, the mainstream media of the world realized you cannot give them air. You cannot let the world hear them. They're doing a good job on social media, but social media don't have the same impact of CNN and, and ABC and NBC. Malcolm and King was able to use ABC, NBC, CBS in ways no blacks have ever been able to use them before or since to reach the masses. But that was also a peculiar time in history where blacks was cornered and bottled in and couldn't vote, cornered and bottled in and couldn't go to school. So a lot of things that was the pressure on the black community has been accomplished. So to get people to to move when they feel so comfortable, I can go to college, I can work in the corporate structure, I can become a district attorney, I can become a lawyer, doctor, I can run a school system. Those things weren't there for us 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Okay, And so that pressure allowed allow people to really hear Malcolm and King. Right now it's harder for our people to hear because things are so comfortable. You know, I don't think it's the fear as much as the comfortability that change will come, that change did come, and here I am, because they don't understand the nature of imperialism or the nature of exploitation or the nature of colonialism or the nature of capitalism. They don't even understand post-slavery trauma, the damage done to the psyche of the African person in terms of his social ecology, the way he understands his social environment, the way he understands the social ecology in general. How did he deal with developing his values, interests, and principle, meaning the socialization process, is all now in the hands of the enemy. At that time, more than 50%, if not more, of the people in the country was still going to all-black schools, elementary schools and junior high schools being taught by all-black people. Hey, yeah, hold that thought right there. We, let's process that for a second, Professor Smalls. We take our, our last break for the hour. And when we come back, Carl in Palm Beach, Florida, has a question for you. Family, you two can join our conversation with, with Professor Small. Reach out to us at 800-450-7876 or 26 away from the top of the hour. We're back in four minutes with the questions right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, or information is power. Once again, family, 20 minutes away from the top of the hour with uh, Professor James Small. Just want to remind you, coming up later this morning, we're going to speak with Dr. Jerome Fox. He's a doctor of clinical psychology. And tomorrow, of course, Friday, it's an open phone Friday. We give you a chance to free your mind, think for yourself, and reach out to us. You can check in with us as early as 6 a.m. Eastern time right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, you're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. All right, before we go back to the professor, let me just remind you, we're doing a radiothon right now as we speak for St. Jude's. And uh, you can join, you can uh, become a partner in hope by calling 800-411-9898. That's 800-411-9898. St. Jude has helped push the overall childhood cancer rate from 20% in 1962 to 80% today. And if you're hearing this on a rebroadcast, you can still donate. Okay, let's go. <clears throat> Carl's calling us from Palm Beach. He's in Florida. He wants to speak to Professor Small. He's online too. Carl, good morning. I wanted to ask the question, do we ever explain the X 
that comes along with Malcolm X because that is really a process, and most people never enter into it, learning your actual facts, your student enrollment, and then you go into the supreme wisdom. And I've seen brothers other than um, Malcolm do it. I saw Silas do it. I saw Yahweh do it. I saw Imam Isa do it. And I think many times we don't explain the, the how something comes into existence. Many times we miss an important part, the, the one that impregnated you with those kind of thinking. And I think the teaching uh, of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad in a structured way provides you the opportunity to become a, a Farrakhan, a, a, a Malcolm, or other. And I, I just think it's, it's proper for us to actually tell people what that X is about because people think that you just pick up an X and just say you X, and they don't understand that you can't get into the nation until the, there's a process that goes along with that. And I think that's very important because it's an educational direction that send you to change the way that you could transform yourself. And I was just asking you, do you um, do you explain that X in your dialogue when you be right, talking about Malcolm X? All right, yeah, thanks, Carl. I'll explain it. Um, you know, it is clear Malcolm was in the nation, and he was taught by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and that they had the nation had an educational system, and the system was very productive. It produced some of the most extraordinary black men in America in recent years. But not Dr. Martin Luther King wasn't in the nation, and he didn't even have an ex. But there he was because of education, because of enlightenment, and because of the teachings he got from his mentors, using a system of explaining exploitation and, and oppression so that it could be understood and allowing you to make yourself a healthy man. You remember, it wasn't just about speaking. Malcolm was physically healthy. He was a martial artist. He was a well-studied historian. Um, he was a man whose body was healthy. He, he read and lived how to eat to live by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. There's a lot of factors. But, you know, the nation was just one of the elements that has produced great men in America. And it is still one that is unsung. But I put that on the brothers and sisters of the nation. They have to stop being afraid to talk about who they are to the world and give the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teachings to the young people who are not in the nation. The messenger didn't come to the people who was in the nation. He came to people who wasn't in the nation, and he brought them into a nation. And now we operate like if you ain't in the nation, we're not going to deal with you. That's not the teaching of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And so he brought a system of understanding, and I pray that we do more letting these young people know your white man may make him a pariah, but you have to see him as a savior. You know, but they're not going to see that unless we take it to them and teach it to them in a non-hostile way. And uh, the reason why I say teach about the X because it is a process and it's a uh, yeah. it's a direct process Agreed. that ties you to what you need to be doing. It gives you your instructions, and in fact, you even get your general orders, um, and it gives you all all those elements that you just expire. But it gives you some real structure. And I was just saying that the X, it has a lot of meaning. It's just not an X. It's right. You, that, that you arrive at that X through a training process, studying and, right, right, and working right, right, and right, learning. Right. Thank and, you, man. And, and so Thank you. that's a beautiful concept to put it out there like that, my brother. But do it more in more places. All Thank right. you. Fifteen away from the top there. Eric's in Forestville. He's on line four for Professor Small. Eric, good morning. You're on with Professor Small. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. 
You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 Plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Small. Eric there on line four? Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah. Go ahead. Speak up, Eric. You're kind of low there. Yeah. Um, good morning, Dr. Smalls, and good morning, Dr. Ne- I mean, uh, good morning. Yeah. Uh, my, my, it's a statement and a, and a question. Um, what I brought this up before, you know, white, white people, uh, it, uh, what I see that they bring about no matter where they are in the world, death, the three Ds, I call it death, destruction, and deceit, and, 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 and a lot more with that. Uh, and so um, knowing all this and knowing that, uh, do you think or believe that it's in their DNA, that they, when they're born, born in this world, that they uh, uh, set out to destroy even themselves and, and people who don't look like them. And that's my question to you, Dr. Smalls. And maybe uh, Mr. No, Nelson, thanks, you can ask Mr. Um, uh, uh, Dr. Fox uh, when he comes on later, the same question, sir. Thank you for having both All scholars right. on. Yeah. Thank you, Eric. It's definitely in the culture and it's definitely in the socialization process that make up most of their political systems. And one can make an argument that if you practice something long enough and intergenerationally as it has been practiced, it's in the DNA. You can find the youngest white child before even being trained, and he expects to be treated uh, in, with priority. And so it's a culture. It's a worldwide culture. It's a value system. And that value system and culture is dominated by people who are primarily European. And, and white-skinned. Um, and so I'm not a good enough medical scientist to say it's in the DNA, but I believe strongly, my belief is that anything that you do repeatedly over a long enough period of time becomes an, a, a part of your DNA. So I don't, I don't have anything to say other than, yeah, I'm sure that's very right. And what we have to do is just like we learn to protect ourselves from other dangers in nature, from bacteria, from viruses, from snakes, from lions, from other things we know that will destroy us when they come in contact with us, then we have to learn how to protect ourselves from them. Throw away from something. Gene is jumping in now from Pikesville. Professor Small, Gene's on line five. Want to speak? You got a question for you. Good morning, Gene. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I, got, I have a question, and, I, this, and this how are you doing, sir? Yeah, uh, and it just baffles me, and it really frust- has been frustrating me, sir, in reference to uh, Stokely Carmichael and the baton being handed from Michael to uh, a SNCC. And, um, and of course, uh, here in Baltimore, H. Rep. Brown in Bel Air, Maryland, was tried. Uh, brother H. Rep. Brown is still in, in jail. 50, 
almost fifty-two or three years, and we and and he, you know, and it really bothers me in Baltimore, especially because of the uh, I'm a Morgan graduate, and it's almost like there's a resistance to talk about the Black Power movement, and uh, of course how J. Edgar Hoover and uh, Cohen. Telpro, you know, destroyed the the movement, and even we in Baltimore, we don't talk about we ended our movement, but they didn't destroy our movement. People are still out here fighting. The the West and the mainstream media is not carrying our fight and not carrying our movement like it did in the sixties because they got smart. But but people are fighting, and young people are out here organizing. And but I'm specific, sir. I'm specific about here in Baltimore and uh, uh, the HBCU that has the uh, radio power to uh, put forth this message. The, uh, the black press, uh, other than uh, people like Darren Mohammed, they we are just not in Baltimore talking about the legacy of, Ma- of Malcolm X and uh, uh, Martin Luther King because Martin Luther King, as Darren Mohammed said, you know the fake white liberals. Uh, he even uh, uh, cut back on the number of fake white liberals that he dealt with, but the Black Power movement, of course, you know, just uh, didn't just didn't deal with. Yeah, but uh, a movement uh, is a, a movement is a people. The people make those institutions act. If the press isn't acting, who's putting pressure on them from the community to make them act? I, I, and I agree with you, sir. And that's my and that is my and that is my uh, observation and complaint. So I agree with you, sir. Well, I'm I'm taking your complaint to another level now. You have to start organizing somebody, even if you just have to instruct some youngsters to get them in place. Yeah. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you very much, and I will. All right, sir. Peace and blessings. All, All right, right, young people, Thanks, put your coats on. Give him the marching Thank orders, you, Professor. Yeah, you had to do that because a lot of times I don't think people understand. It isn't something from someplace else that's going to free us. It's we who free ourselves. And so. Yeah, because this seems to be that we're waiting for somebody to free us. And I'm glad you pointed that out. We're waiting for another Moses. Mm -hmm. And we we are the Moses. So, uh, so can how do we get that understand. message across though to our young people that, that we're the one we've been waiting for? Well, ma- many of our young people are out here. They're, I mean, I deal with them all the time. There's a group of young folks call themselves the Pan Africanists. I forgot what the, they send me their manifesto. You got to see the work they put together, and they have units all over the country. They wanted my endorsement. I said I got to read your documents first and speak to your leadership. You, you know. And so you have many other formations like that, but we don't hear about it because what made it so obvious in the 60s was the the fact that the media was, was the mainstream media put us out front. The mainstream media is doing everything to make sure we don't get out front now. If you look at the amount of programs that they've had on just award programs in the last um, two months, and 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 they've given us all of these images of black success, but they're just black success in the music industry, the sports industry, and the acting industry. They're not showing the black doctors, black lawyers. We're seeing the extraordinary black 
legal minds and our females all across the country as they take on Donald Trump. And and we see an extraordinary display of black commentators on the many news stations. But for the most part, mainstream media, who reaches most of our people, and when most of our people turn to information, they're not taking our story forward. You know? They, 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 they did that in the 60s, but they're not doing that now because they understood they made a mistake then. They help us spread our own revolution against them. They're not going to do that again. So we have to find ways to use all of the instruments possible. Your show is one of the most extraordinary shows out today. You know, what Kathy Hughes is doing, there's no other black-owned system that's doing it at the level that you're doing it. But there are other black radios and there are other black talk shows all across the country. But, but we have to try to figure out how to use social media the way they use it so we can link ourselves up and be a greater voice, a louder voice. And, and we, we're getting there. But a lot of people say that young people aren't doing anything. The young people are out here. These young people are voting. You wouldn't have gotten the Biden without the black vote. You wouldn't have gotten Obama without the black folk. And much of this is the young black folk. They believe you know what? Hold on, though, right there, Professor Small. We got to take a quick break. And when we come back, though, I want to find out how optimistic you are about our future. Because you seem very upbeat about our young people. So when we come back, I'll let you end on that note first. It's six minutes away from the top of our family. We'll be back in four minutes with Professor Small right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And thanks for rolling with us, family. A minute after the top of the hour with Professor Small, we got Dr. Jerome Fox on deck. So before we let Professor Small go, question for you, Professor Small. Are you optimistic about our future? You know, because some of the, what we see about our young people, it's all negative. It's, you know, and it's, it's depressing at times. But you've been working with our young folks. Are you optimistic about our future? I'm very optimistic about our future. Our young people around the African world, in the Caribbean, in Africa, they're trying to build the best black communities they can build. They're more skilled than any generation we've ever had, but they're also up against the most powerful nations in the world that don't want to have these young people who have taken advantage of the college education that was taught for. They've gotten skilled, trained, and tools, and they're out in the world. They thought they could integrate into America and America would receive them, so they're in the corporate structures, they're in the military, they're in all these places. But they are realizing that they're still meeting the resistance that our fathers met. But we have the best trained group of African people we've ever had in the world in modern times. And our young people are out here fighting. They're opening businesses. They're trying to unite with one another around the world. They're moving to live in Africa and do business, not just to go and say I'm on a vacation. They're over here in America building businesses. Black businesses are not declining. They're growing. But we're behind in the ownership of land, in the ownership of business, in the development of corporate structures. 
I'm using Bixby Text Call to convert your voice to text and respond to you. Wow. If you want to continue, I think we lost that Professor Small. Is this urgent? We're going to hear a crosstalk here, Kevin. We lost Professor Small. Okay, well, let's move on then, because we got to move on, because we got Dr. Fox in here. And also, we, you know, today, family, St. Jude Radiothon is taking place here at Radio 1. And uh, let me say good morning to Ron Thompson, our program director. Good morning, Ron. Good morning, Carl. How are you? Excellent. Uh, Ron, how are you doing? I'm extraordinary. You know, today is our St. Jude Radiothon, and we are here to save children's lives. You know, families... Uh, 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 at St. Jude, uh, never receive a bill for treatment, travel, housing, or food so they can focus on helping their child live. And so today we're asking for Partners in Hope by calling this number, 1-800-411-9898, 1-800-411-9898, And Ron, how long have, have, uh, has uh, Radio 1 been doing this? We've been doing this now for 14, 15 years, Carl. And I will tell you that uh, once you visit the hospital, and we took a tour of the hospital, you can see parents that are on their way to the hospital for their child to get treatment. And I think that's what really uh, struck my heart. And uh, the fact that, um, you know, uh, St. Jude provides this, um, this care for the world's sickest children regardless of their race, ethnicity, beliefs, or ability to pay. And who, who came up with the idea, Ron? Do you, do you recall? This was the creation of Danny Thomas, uh, uh, the comedian. Uh, he had a dream of, of getting a particular job, and he only had about $12. And so what he did was he went to a church, and he donated seven of the dollars, and he said, if you can get me the money that I need, I think it was $30 or something, for him to get uh, this position, uh, he will create something to raise to help children. And the next day, he ended up uh, getting the money, and he went back and said, let me create this, this dream of a children's hospital. And he created the hospital in Memphis, Tennessee, you know, one of the most segregated cities in the United States back then. Oh, wow. And, and Ron, for people listening right now, how, if they're not in the DMV, not in Baltimore, maybe out of the country and listening, how can they help? Can they donate as well? Yes, you can donate uh, throughout the country. And this is the number again, 1-800-411-9898. 1-800-411-9898. Now, Carl... Uh, St. Jude has pushed the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% in 1962 to 80% today. But we're here today because the other 20%, that's who we're trying to save now. And, and that's a challenge, and we can do that. You know, we can do that. So if they're not, if they don't, if they hear this message on a podcast or, or the rebroadcast, can they still donate? Yes, uh, you can still donate, even though our Radiothon today goes from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. You can donate all weekend up until uh, Monday at midnight. So 
Um, if you don't get a chance to do it during our Radiothon this weekend, you can still donate or you can go to our website, uh, woldcnews.com. There should be a link up there. There should also be a link at uh, wlb.com. There's a link on their website as well, and you should be able to donate. All right, Juan. Thanks, and thanks for spearheading this for us uh, here at Radio One. Thank you, Carl, for having me. That's Kevin looking for the brownie points again. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> Seven minutes after the top of the hour. Dr. Jerome E. Fox, good morning. Welcome to the program. Good morning. How are you? Excellent, Dr. Fox. How about yourself? How are you doing this morning, sir? I'm fine. Thank you. You know, we, we, our pre- previous guest, somebody posed a question to me, and they wanted me to ask you the question as well. And he wanted to know if, and he's talking about white folks, I'm going to be straight up with a question now, if they're predisposed is in, in their DNA to delve into destruction and death. There's it, it, another D that he, it was negative as well. Is it part of their DNA? That was his question, and he thought it probably you could answer it. Uh, quite frankly, I don't know. Um and for me, uh, um, it, the most important issue is how people behave. And um, as I've said many times before, um, uh, these white races have built a context of hate. Um, that uh, and that context um, major objective is to murder. So we find ourselves trying to survive in that context of hate, and all we get, uh, all all we are trained to do is to murder, and all the various ways that a person or a life can be snuffed out, um, both physically, in other words, uh, emotionally, educationally, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know. Whether or not uh, uh, these people are genetically inclined, I, I've heard all the theories of um, a certain, you know, Francis Cresswell, uh, uh, Francis Cresswell saying, um, you know, the melanin, the lack of express melanin um, may, you know, contribute to hardening their hearts. Um, I don't know. Uh, but for me, what is most, once again, what is most important is how they act. And they are certainly, um, 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 how can I say, devoted um, to evil and to wickedness. Look at how they uh, um, worship um, someone like Trump, uh, Trump who is a, a master of lies. And for those who, who are. Um, um, you know, Christian or whatever, or or, or uh, somehow subscribe to um, um, the Bible. The Bible says that the father of lies is the devil. So when we look at their attachment to lies, uh, they're, they're defining themselves as demons, and in a very practical way, we see it. Um, um, so whether or not science would ever discover some kind of deficit that could be correlated with a spiritual, uh, some kind of genetic def- uh, uh, deficit that could be con- uh, correlated with a spiritual deficit, I don't know. But in some ways, it doesn't matter because uh, uh, we see how they operate and and how those um, actions affect the world. 
All right, and I'm glad you mentioned Donald Trump. Ten, we're going to get into that in a second. Ten after the top, they have family. Our guest is Dr. Jerome Lee Fox. You know him best for his best-selling workbook, Addicted to White, The Oppressed in League with the Oppressor, a shame-based alliance. Dr. Fox contends there are five core white values that many blacks are addicted to, which in turn give tacit approval to white domination. We're going, and he's going to provide the antidote as well. But Dr. Fox, since you mentioned Donald Trump, Donald Trump is boasting that, you know, he's, he's got all these, especially young black men following him. And, uh, you know, he, he, he says uh, that because they, they, they approve of, they can associate with him or they can, they can relate to him because he, he's got a mugshot. You know, he, he was embarrassing them at the same time as congratulating himself for them being his followers because of all this negative energy that he has. How does he feel? Can you get, as, as a clinical psychologist, can you get into his head? How does he really feel about those black folks who are following him? Well, obviously, he doesn't care about anyone, uh, believe it or not, except himself. He is a um, malignant narcissist uh, um, who who puts himself and his own um, um, personal interests at the forefront of his mind in in every situation. Um, I said in the book, in my workbook, which is the antidote um, to uh, this addiction, this white addiction, um, it's a workbook helping people to work through it. But I've said um, that the pillars of this white value system that we subscribe to are three, and I give it the sort of acronym uh, NEGEV, uh, the N starting, uh, standing for um, uh, narciss- uh, narcissism, uh, greed, and violence, uh, the NEGEV. Um, and to me, he represents all three of them. He's the embodiment of narcissism, greed, and, and violence, which the, the entire um, white uh, value disorder is predicated on. Um, I might mention too, uh, because I think a, a lot of people, and I think this is, this is extremely important to understand. Um, and I, if, I, if, I, I see a, a lot of our um, black journalists just falling in line um, with this rhetoric about um, um, uh, Trump's co- uh, control over the sort of the MAGA crowd, um, how he has mesmerized. Uh, these white folk uh, into following him. That absolutely is not true. White people are invested in, even so-called liberals, even so-called never-Trumpers, are invested in making, it seems, as, as in some way excusing the behavior of the masses of white people. Um, over 50% of white women voted for Trump in both elections, including the one, the last one that he lost, and over 60 percent of white men voted for uh, Trump in in the last election. So these people are not um, mesmerized. And as a matter of fact, if Trump should come out today and forsake all, all of the nonsense that he has said about black people, including this nonsense about sneakers and and you know having a record and that uh, attracting young black people to him, if he should come out and say, "Look, I've been playing a game, uh, um, and it's a very dangerous and sick and hateful game," 
um, uh, uh, game. I don't believe any of that nonsense I've been talking about over these past, you know, eight years that I've been in the pub, uh, pub, in the um, political arena. Um, these crackers would drop him like a hot potato. He he looked out and at the landscape, the political landscape, to try to see where he could fit in and ex, and exploit. Uh, uh, um, right, and uh, let's uh, all right the there, Doctor Fox. So we we got to take a short break here. And I'll let you pick up the thought when you come back, because for some people, it's it's a, it is a complex person, especially some of those. And, I, and let me just apologize for people say all these black men, because people are saying that he's he's exaggerating. There aren't that many black men who were following Donald Trump. So let me apologize if, if I said that or people interpreted it that way. But anyway, we got to take a quick break. We'll be back in four minutes here with Doctor Fox. You want to join this conversation? Reach out to us at eight hundred four five zero. 7876, your phone calls in four minutes in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. Morning, family, and thanks for rolling with us at 22 after the top of the hour with Dr. Jerome Fox. Dr. Fox, of course, is known for his best-selling workbook, Addicted to White, The Oppressed in League with the Oppressor, A Shame-Based Alliance. We're here now this morning analyzing, you know, the, the blacks who say they're supporting Donald Trump. Uh, do they know something that most of us don't know? So, Dr. Fox, I'll let you continue your, your, your review of those folks. Yeah, and, and really, it's, um, I, I'm beginning with a um, kind of re- uh, review of uh, Trump and how he is seen, and I'll intersperse my answer to that with this. As I was saying, that if Trump were to do an about face uh, um, and uh, renounce everything that he has said up to this point, um, he would be dropped like a hot potato by the the racist MAGA crowd that supposedly he has mesmerized. The truth is is that Donald, uh, um, Donald Trump does not control anybody. Um, um, he is being controlled by the racists who propped him up and sent him to the White House the first time. Um, so he has to lie and make up stuff, including this stuff about black folk supporting him, in order to satisfy the people who put him where he is at today, politically at least. Um, nobody knows what he really believes. Um, most people point out that prior to his entrance into this uh, presidential politics, um, he was hanging out uh, with a uh, you know with rappers and with other black folk. Um, certainly, he was not opposed to abortion or any of that stuff. But as I said, he's looking out because of his greed. He's looking for a way to enhance. Uh, um, um, his estate, uh, an estate which he squandered, which was really given to him by his father, and he squandered. And apparently that TV show um, wasn't um, uh, 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 giving him enough, at least by 
by his own estimation. So he's looking for ways to really, uh, my understanding was he had no intentions of really winning the presidency. He was just trying to do that in order to go back to that uh, to his reality program and say, see, give me more money, see how popular I am, even though he didn't, uh, even though he would not have won. So uh, um, everything that's about greed and narcissism and whatever. So he makes up this stuff about black people, uh, young black people, uh, um, you know, wanting uh, him for that, uh, for his criminal record and his gold. Uh, new sneakers. Uh, but here again, all of that stuff is made up in order to satisfy the stereotypes of black people that his racist MAGA crowd pretty much directs him uh, um, 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 to put forth. Um, and I think that we as a people really need to understand that, uh, that we're not really uh, uh, fighting Trump. We're fighting a whole slew, a whole mass of white, racist um, 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 people who have put him up to represent them. Um, he's not converting them. They have, to the best of their ability, converted him. And they don't even really care at this point whether or not he really believes all the junk he says. Um, as long as he continues to stroke their ego uh, with this sense of, of supremacy or superiority over everyone else except their so-called white um, um, themselves. Um, I won't even add, add, which most journalists, including black journalists, add so-called evangelical. I wish that um, journalists – all journalists would stop that evangelical stuff because none of these crackers are evangelical Christians. They are the devil's adversary. Uh, I mean, uh, advocate. They are the devil's advocate. They are. They are not um, um, Christian people by no stretch of the imagination. But um, this idea of black people, young black people, supporting because of that is mythology. Uh, they, that he just makes up. Once again, just to promote um, 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 the stereotype of black, all black people being, and particularly young black people being criminals, and, and stupid enough, uh, and stupid enough to spend their last dollar on some sneaker. Now, are there black people who support him? Of course, uh, but not at the rate or in the way that he's trying to promote. There, uh, there, there are black idiots. You can see them behind him um, when he g gives a stump speech. But um, uh, most of what he just spouts out is uh, uh, to satisfy uh, the, uh, the, the appetites of racist white people who want to feel superior to black people. All right, hold on, though. At 28 after the top of the hour, John's calling from Fayetteville, North Carolina, has a question for you. He's on line one. Good morning, John. Good morning, Dr. Fox, and good morning, Carl. Thank you for being on your show, and thank you, Dr. Fox. Thank you. I have a really simple question, but it is so powerful. Life is full of things to manage your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta 
ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Have we lost John? Seems like his phone might have dropped. Oh, go ahead. I'm still here. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear. Go ahead with your question, John. Okay. You know, uh, my question is, Dr. Fox, when I was in elementary school, my parents freed themselves through They had to resort to violence. Because as you said, Dr. Fox, uh, Narcissism, greed, and violence. But mm-hmm. then guess what to you, Dr. Fox? Many of our black ministers uh, support false faith through the Bible as an example, because I, I've read all the Bibles. I've I got seven Bibles at home, including the Quran. So, you know, I just want to share with you. When I was about six years old, a black minister tried to steal my mother's car. I got three brothers. We hit him in his head. I hurt my hand because I was so small. I couldn't, I really hurt him, but he jumped out of the car. So I think a lot of blacks believe falsely, like the whites do, because they come from the devil. And I, I would say that because of the honorable. Elijah Muhammad stated that fact. Now, you know, in the Old Testament, the blacks where I grew up in Philadelphia, by the way, I live in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. John, John, do us a favor. Can you put in a question for him? Because we're racing the clock here. We're coming up on a break. Can you just put in a, is the question for him so he can respond? Oh, um, the question is, are, does the Christian religion preach Racism, because that's what I believe. Do you believe that also? That's my right. question. Thanks, John. Thanks, Dr. Fox? I didn't quite hear that. He said the Christian what? Does the Christian religion preach or teach racism? I think the uh, um, um, not necessarily from what I've uh, uh, read, and I re- uh, recommend, as I uh, uh, state in the um, in my uh, workbook that people get the um, African Heritage Bible and you will see how um, the brother and and his committee, how they uh, approach the history of the world through a Christian, uh, um, black Christian lens. So not necessarily uh, the scripture itself, but white people who uh, um, claim to subscribe uh, uh, to the Bible, as far as I can see, most of them are racist, and they try to um, justify their racism, just as our 
as the uh, so-called slaveholders of our ancestors tried to justify uh, uh, um, our captivity uh, with um, uh, with the Bible, but um, if you, that's why it's important if you are part of that uh, religion to read the scripture for uh, for yourself. All right, eight hundred four five zero seventy eight seventy six. Jay is calling from Detroit. He's online too. Jay, your question for Doctor Fox. Uh, good morning. Yeah, I just had a quick question, and I think that was a very salient point that. Uh, Dr. Fox just made uh, using the candidate for president as an example of how uh, certain narratives are pushed where they castigate or focus on one person being the symbol of of of, of racism and things of that nature. And that goes right. back to whether it's uh, Adolf Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini. And if you look at old films, uh, you know, documentaries, you see thousands and millions of people that are pushing them up. But I think in a, in a way that they try to cover up the whole spectrum of uh, white supremacy, that they try to put it on one person as the figurehead for people to attack without looking at the spectrum and the whole philosophy behind the people that really prop them up. And I think that was a great Right. And I couldn't, by the way, let, let me just I say, obviously, um, are you still with me? Yes, sir. OK. Oh, yeah. Obviously, um, I couldn't agree with you uh, more. Um, uh, these are our diversion tactics that, that too many people and, and especially um, I'm addressing black journalists uh, seem to fall into uh, white want to. Um, single out this one person in order to excuse themselves. Some of whom um, may not, you know, hold racist uh, views, but maybe their mother does, or their father does, or their dentist, or their doctor, and so they're trying to find ways to excuse uh, the majority of white people by focusing on this one person. But in truth, this society and this world would not be in the condition that it's in, slanted to the benefit of these damn crackers, if uh, the masses of white people were not propping that system up. This white right. And hold that thought right there, Dr. Fox and Jay. Stay with us. We're going to take a quick break here at 26 away from the top of the hour. Family, you two can join this conversation with Dr. Fox. Reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. And good morning, uh, family. 21 minutes away from the top of the hour with Dr. Jerome Fox, or, you know, from his best-selling workbook, Addicted to White, The Oppressed in League with the Oppressor, A Shame-Based Alliance. Before we go back to him and Jay in Detroit, though, let me just, uh, oh, i got to remind you that we're, we're doing a radiothon right now. As we speak, the phones, I want to hear those phones ringing. You give us a call at 800-411-9898. This is for St. Jude. This is for the, the children. 
actually, because the families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. So the families now can focus on helping their children. Again, we're doing a radiothon, and if you hear this on on the podcast or if you hear it on the rebroadcast, you know, you can still call in and donate. We need those phones ringing. We converted one of our rooms out there, our conference rooms at our studios here in Silver Spring, and, and there's a phone bank set up. And if you're in the DMV, uh, NBC4 is going to stop by, or they're going to be by right now doing some hits, so you'll see what's going on. But family, we need you to help this, these children because every child deserves to live their best life and celebrate every moment. And with your support, you can help St. Jude give ki- kids, uh, children with cancer, a chance. And also, I want to remind that tomorrow's uh, Friday and give you another chance to Free your mind. Think for yourself. It's an Open Phone Friday program. Begin promptly at 6 a.m. Eastern Time right here in Baltimore on 1010 WLB. Free in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. All right, Jay, I'll let you finish your question for Dr. Fox. Jay's online, too. Good morning, Jay. Yes, good morning. I just wanted to uh, commend Dr. Fox for his book. and It's a great prescription to wake us up from our sleep that we're walking around with while we're infested with this parasite in our mind of supremacy of others. But also the, I take the analogy of uh, placing one person as the the genesis of all the things that happen, uh, similar to a magician when you talk about diversion. They point you one way while other things are happening in that way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So thank you. And one of the things I've been doing to help with those prescriptions is I've purchased your book about six times, and I've been passing them out as gifts to other people to try to wake them Very up. good. I appreciate yeah. that. I, I'm not um, just for the sake of our people. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got to get this message uh, that – We are addicted, even with the, I respect your um, previous uh, guest, uh, Carl, uh, but I have to say I am not as optimistic. Um, You know, we, it's not wrong to want a peaceful and prosperous life for oneself. But if you have to align yourself with the devil in order to get it, uh, um, I don't. I'm not very optimistic about the end story of that alliance. Um, yes, you. We have gained many skills and whatever um, that we could be putting, I believe, to much better use in building our own communities. But in our effort to integrate, in some ways, this integration. Uh, 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 with the um, uh, majority, so-called majority people here and in other white uh, nations, uh, could be used as a as, as a sort of protection against uh, all-out war on our people. I, I often think that if someone like Trump were to get in and just declare war, basically. Um, you know, more um, uh, um, upfront or openly than it has been de- uh, uh, declared in the past. I mean, there's still has always been a war on black people. But if a, that clown should get into office and just openly declare war and try to use military um, um, to do so. Uh, uh, I could see the uh, the advantage 
of black people being in the military to say no and maybe turn the weapons on those folk who are trying to turn the weapons on us. But I wonder, uh, our heads are so confused at this point, would we use uh, um, our position uh, in order to protect black communities? Um, Do we even go into these positions in order to gain the skills and in order to protect black people. Um, I've used the example before uh, that these um, Silicon Valley companies have, uh, I don't know if they still do, but certainly uh, in the past have conducted like summer camps where they um, recruit so-called minority people, uh, black people and others, uh, and others. to come to these camps and learn, um, um, you know, coding and and the whole technology, I guess, industry. And I thought to myself, and a, a lot of these kids that get these scholarships to go to these camps, they, they and their parents are so excited. Um, I'm hoping that uh, eventually uh, uh, this uh, education will translate basically into their kids having money in the future uh, um, uh, through high-income jobs in the technology field. But they don't send their kids there to gain the knowledge in order to protect the black community just in case there should just be an all-out attack on black people. Oh, they send them there to uh, learn so that they can continue their dependency, their economic dependency on this system, i.e. get get get, uh, get a job with them and, and hopefully just be more prosperous for themselves and their own family. So I guess my, um, my basic point is, is that if your mind is not in the right place, I don't care how well you seem to be integrating with the wealthy class of this society. It will do us, the masses of black people, absolutely no good. Yeah, I think that's a very important point because what happens is is that we look to people that integrate and move up in certain positions as progress for the entire uh, race. When And it's not. Doctor- Yep, and they're indoctrinated in a mindset of those that oppress us. Right. And, you, talk and about you just look around at the masses of black, the condition of the masses of black people just clearly um, uh, negate that idea that a few black people uh, uh, sprinkle throughout the system is somehow progress for for black people. Uh, you have to be blind not to see that that that, that just is not true. Yeah, look at our no. Secretary of Defense. And one last thing, when you talk about the military, the indoctrination, and that is to protect the status quo. And exactly. you've seen evidence of that South Africa and throughout other, you know, mm-hmm. communities throughout the world. Uh, right. A lot of black soldiers protecting the status quo. That's right. That in other words, protecting white people. They're not yeah. protecting black people. They are protecting white people. And I mentioned that in the book when I talk about violence, um, okay. the white folks' attitude toward violence um, being okay for them, but not for us. Correct. Right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jay. All righty. Okay. Thanks, Jay. 13 away from the top. A lot of folks want to talk to you, Dr. Fox. Ernest is next. He's on line one. 
He's calling from Baltimore. Good morning, Ernest. You're on with Dr. Fox. Good morning, Dr. Fox. I um, wondered, I don't, you kind of answered my question with what you just said. So to me, I wanted to ask you if you felt oppressed, because I did not feel oppressed. And you kind of made it, when you said that, uh, <clears throat> because some blacks are successful, they uh, that doesn't help the whole race. But I'm not sure if I think I want to help the whole race. And if I do okay and my family and children do okay, I think that that's kind of helping because there are a lot of black people that minds are on drugs, their minds are on crime stealing, the carjacking. So if you can get a grandson or somebody to do okay, I don't see what the problem is. But And the other thing is I kind of feel a little sharp when you refer to uh, white people as crackers. And, I mean, it's okay because, you know, you are you. But I just wanted to say that. And about the blacks that follow um, Trump, it's kind of rough to call them idiots. But, I mean, that's fine. That's the way you roll. And the other thing, in your book, you say um, Africans when you talk. You say the African this and the African that. And I just was wondering why you say that instead of saying the Black black people. All right, thanks, Ernest. <laughs> Dr. Fox, uh, for me, it looks I like a softball. Really, you can uh, hit it out of the park. Thank you, Ernest. Thanks for your call. Go ahead, yeah. Dr. Fox. Yeah, I can't really straighten out that level of confusion uh, on, on the radio. Uh, I I understand why he can't understand uh, because he is obviously thoroughly addicted to white. Um, and just for the record, I've explained this before. Um, cracker is not equivalent to calling black folk nigger or, or, or anything of that sort. Cracker is because nigger is hate-based. Is hate based. Cracker is fact-based. If you look up the history of the word, it was used to refer to those slavocrats who were cracking the whips on uh, their whips on our black backs uh, during our captivity, what most people call slavery. So it's just a factual um, statement. It's not an, an epithet. It is a fact. Cracker. They were the crackers. People, in other words, cracking the whip. And unfortunately, uh, and metaphorically, they've never stopped cracking the whip on black people, uh, both economically, educationally, et cetera, et cetera. All right. I'm sure you helped him out. He'll keep listening, Ernest. You'll get the picture. Nine, nine minutes away from the top, they are Paul's on line four calling from the UK's in London. Good morning, Paul. Question for Dr. Fox. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. 
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Yeah, good morning, Baba Kwesi. Uh Let me just pose a, a quick statement and then make the question. Uh, uh, Dr. Jerome Fox, I often hear the statement, we are at war. And there was a time when I myself fell into that uh, rhetorical statement, we are at war. After putting it under a microscope and examining it and using my critical thinking, I came to the conclusion that we are not at war. We are being warred upon. Yes, I've said, said that in the past, by the way. Uh, uh, that's uh, uh, the problem. The reason why we're not at war, although we should be, is because of our psychological entanglement with this white value system. You can't war against uh, a people that you worship at the same time. So, oh yeah, I have said that myself. We we uh, uh, we are being warred against, just as you said, uh, um, and we're submitting in that war uh, uh, when we should really be fighting. Um, and the first step to fighting is detoxifying our brains, our minds of this white value system and white worldview. That's what I'm trying to encourage people to do in this workbook. I mentioned about what nation um, um, uh, um, uh, goes to war without first um, putting their soldiers in boot camp. So this the, the 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 procedure that I describe in the book is my version of a boot camp uh because we uh, we are being warred against most effectively a uh, um uh at the level of our brains our minds uh, they have waged a psychological warfare on the black brain ever since they uh, um, uh, took us from other Africa and dispersed us throughout these lands. So, and we have refused to enter that battle for our brains, for our minds. Um, but until we do that, um, whatever so-called progress we think we've made will be minimal, number one, and uh, will be very um, uh, uh, fragile, uh, meaning that they can take it away. Anything that they've given to a few of us, they can take away at, uh, at any moment in time. If we're going to be at war, we have to get into this boot camp that prepares soldiers to be of one mind, um, that's the basic um, 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 accomplishment of boot camp. Yeah, yeah, you're training people how to shoot guns and and, and, and use other weapons, but uh, and under one mind, with one mind. So until we get that one mind, we don't even want to be associated with each other. 
Uh, I right. And hold that thought we, right there, Dr. Fox. We're going to take a quick break. I'll let you pick it up from there. Paul, if you got a follow-up, stay with us as well. It's six minutes away from the top of the hour, family. We're back in four minutes with Dr. Jerome Fox right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. In the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, or information is power. Good morning, family. A minute after the top of the hour with our guest, Dr. Jeremy Fox, who's a clinical psychologist, is known for his best-selling workbook, Addicted to White, The Oppressed in League with the Oppressor, a shame-based alliance. Before we go back to Dr. Fox, let me just remind you, as we speak, we're, we're having our annual St. Jude Radiothon, and it's right now you can you can become a partner by calling in at 800-411-9898. That's 800-411-9898. You know, we just decked out one of our conference rooms, a training room. There's a phone bank there, and we see those phones ringing because St. Jude's provides customized care for some of the world's sickest children, regardless of their race, ethnicity, beliefs, or ability to pay. It's all on your dime, so we need your help. Again, the number is 1-800-411-9898. And if you're hearing this on a rebroadcast or a podcast, you can still call in and donate. Oh, let's make this happen. Before we left, we were speaking with Dr. Fox and Paul calling from London in the U.K. Paul, have you finished your question for Dr. Fox? Is Paul still with us? Okay, Dr. Fox. Dr. Fox, that statement fills me with absolute dread. It fills me with dread because it's the truth. And the truth is a bitter pill to swallow, and swallow it we must. And I just want to say this, Dr. Fox. We watch in Israel nutty, nutty, crazy Benjamin Netanyahu absolute murder the people of Palestine, women and children. Mm-hmm. I, I translate that to this, and I, I just want to see if you agree or not. We call it genocide. Anybody with a reasonable intelligence will call it genocide because the people he's attacking do not have a chance to fight him back. Okay? He says he's at war with Hamas. Well, we see him killing innocent people. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, what I'm saying is this, Dr. Fox, is we, the people who wear this enhanced uniform of melanin on the planet, okay, we're under the same attack. The problem is we don't see it. Yeah. Go ahead. We don't we don't see it. Yeah. We don't recognize it and understand it because they are using quiet weapons for a silent war. They're waging a silent war against us. So we don't see the weapons. The weapons are such things as gene therapy, better known as vaccines. The weapons are such things as putting genetic modification in the food, targeted at us, right? And we call it cancer, or we call it tumor, right? They are deliberately and purposely targeting us. So what I'm saying, Dr. Fox, I'm trying to seek your agreement. You may not agree. We are being genocidally removed from the planet, but we don't even see it. We don't even recognize it because we don't hear the noise. We don't see it on the mass manipulating media. So we think it's not happening. Well, yeah, but think about yeah, but think about um, who controls major media. That's why we don't see it. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, as I was saying, that our uh, white adversaries have been waging war against us forever. 
and our homeland forever. The whole book about how Europe underdeveloped Africa. Um, you know, people need to read that just to get a um, historical perspective. So uh, they have been at war against us forever. Um, and all we wind up doing with our white addicted minds is joining them in destroying or neglecting um, ourselves. In, in other words, we wind up in league with the oppressor. Um, and, and I would agree with your assessment of Netanyahu. He, I, I, don't, I don't know if people picked up on this, but at some point he was giving a speech regarding this war that he's uh, waging and, and quoted um, I believe it was from Leviticus, and the quote that he used, and and this is a recurring um, uh, uh, incident in in the Bible where uh, God instructs the uh, Israelites to wipe out an entire nation, uh, their enemies, not to leave any um, uh, man, woman, child. Uh, alive. And I thought it's very interesting that he's quoting from the Deus that particular passage, uh, which is the definition of genocide. Um, and nobody seemed to uh, even pick up on it. Um, and instead, start once again uh, acting as if there's a question about what he's doing, the same nonsense that they, they are doing with regard to uh, Trump. You know, uh, uh, what's going on? Why are these people uh, supposedly following him? Uh, uh, but it's the same tactic over and over again. Uh, clearly, there is genocide there. Now, I, I understand that uh, that area of the world is complicated. Uh, but there's nothing complicated uh, about what issued from Netanyahu's own mouth, and even a quoting a scripture that is the definition of genocide. Gotcha. Seven after the top. Yeah, let's keep rolling. Let's go to Washington D.C. Brother Ham- Brother Mohammed is with us. He's on line three. Salam alaikum, Brother Mohammed. You're on with Doctor Fox. Is Brother Mohammed still with us? All right, let's go to line four then. Let's let's go to uh, New Jersey. Najee, good morning. I'm not here, Najee. Well, uh, Brother Muhammad, because we get, I know we, we there's a whole bunch of stuff going on today. Stay with us if you're on the line, Brother Muhammad. We get to you, and also Najee, stay with us as well, and, and Ken in Florida, stay with us because what's happening? Let me just tell the folks we're, we're having a, a a radiothon right next door to our studio here, the Radio One is doing it. And you can join in, you can listen, you can just call over there and make your, your you can become a, a partner in Hope, as they call it, by calling 800-411-9898, 800-411-9898. Kevin's probably over there putting out a fire or something. But this is what we're doing, because every child deserves to live their best life and celebrate every mo- moment. Your support can help St. Jude give uh, children with cancer, a chance. So again, that number is 1-800-411-9898. They're in our studios in there. And if, you, if you're in the DMV, by the way, NBC4 uh, is, is over there as well, doing some shooting some, um, uh, I guess, reporting as well 
for their morning show. If you're in the DMV, you can just turn NBC4. You'll see what's going on. It's, it's, it's a big deal in the station today. But Dr. Fox, and, and if you're on hold, we'll get to you as soon as Kevin gets back into the studio. Dr. Fox, uh, tell us, what do you think this all started with, with the, uh, the ascension of Obama? That, that all of a sudden, Obama becomes president of the United States. He's, he's the most powerful man in America. And this is, and this is what got, got white folks got their knickers in a twist, as the British folks say. Well, you know, let's let's clarify um, a couple of things. Uh, It's always important, in my view, to speak the truth. I think there was a brother, I'm forgetting his name, who wrote um, a book. Um, Everybody knows him, um, uh, entitled Just Mercy. And my thing is just truth. Um, Truth. Obama, um, uh, you made a statement about Obama, uh, was not really, was really appointed in a sense to be the shepherd of this whole white system. So in that sense, as I even mentioned briefly in the book, was no threat to this um, uh, system of white um, um, dominance. Um, so to that degree, uh, ignorant white folk being all upset about um, Obama, I, I don't believe was because of his uh, um, a, a desire to do anything uh, to change uh, radically uh, this system. Uh, but what we, what we have to understand about um, uh, um, these white uh, races is, is that ego is more important than even their money. They are willing to uh, to be exploited by their by their own white politicians economically in order to, to maintain uh, their uh, sense of of I guess emotional equilibrium. I say in the, um, I think it was the uh, uh, third chapter, right in the beginning, I'm trying to turn to it, but, uh, the beginning of the third chapter in my uh, workbook, I, I say the world has paid a catastrophic price for ignoring the psychopathology of white oppressors. White oppressors are personality-disordered individuals who are, are unperturbed by the symptoms of their disorder. Though their behaviors cause considerable hardship for the targets of their hatred, they systematically fail to correct the distorted lenses through which they view the world. Indeed, their lenses are framed so so snugly um, uh, by their personal and, and cultural identities that that to change spectacles, so to speak, w- would be like uh, self-annihilation. These white oppressors specifically cling fiercely to the ideology of white supremacy, the essential, which is the essential organizing principle of their psyches, promoting basic cohesion and race-based pride among its adherents regardless of age, gender, or socioeconomic status, or religious, or political affiliations, um, these whites need, for some reason, to feel superior in order to almost, in order to continue to live. So uh, it's really more, they were more upset 
because his that black presence in the White House uh, uh, disturbed their ego, disturbed their sense of superiority, or what they, they would perceive as their need to feel um, um, superior. So that's why uh, 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 that was so upsetting. But and 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 truth that need to feel uh, superior has always been in place from uh, from the beginning of this nation. Um, uh, so that's nothing new as well. All right, uh, thirteen at the top. There, we're going to take a quick break, brother Muhammad. You're up next. That we can take your call, speak to Doctor Fox. Family, you too can join this discussion. Reach out to us at eight hundred four five zero seventy eight. 76. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. In the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning, family, and thanks for rolling with us all morning long. Interesting morning around the studios. They're here. We're doing a radiothon for St. Jude. But our guest right now is Dr. Jerome Fox, and you'd like to speak to him, 800-450-7876. Brother Muhammad, thank you for being so patient. He's on line three. Good morning, Brother Muhammad. Good morning. Um, uh, Dr. Fox, it's a pleasure uh, to speak with you. you. You inspired me to call in when you were talking about how white people benefit from white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a system. And, you know, I'm in the nation and we can trace that system back to ourselves, you know, what we taught them uh, in technology and so on and so forth. Uh, you can also trace it through the Talmud and uh, Jewish supremacy, I believe, is the father of white supremacy. But um, I wanted to ask a question. I already know the answer. I just wanted to uh, create a conversation. Um, why is the king of England the king of England? And the answer to that is the king of England is the king of England because he's the head of the Church of England. Okay? So in nineteen in sixteen thirty two, George Car uh, Calvert petitioned the king, the head of the church, for the colony of Maryland. And he then became he was granted a charter to colonize Maryland. Now, uh, which, you know, Maryland is still called Maryland to this day. So uh, King Charles I wrote down on a piece of paper, and and the the charter starts like this, by the grace of God and King Charles I. That's how the charter starts. And by writing on that piece of paper, he gave George Calvert the power to colonize Maryland. Okay? Now, the reason I'm bringing that up is, all authority starts with God, all authority. If you trace all badges, all law enforcement, everything goes back to God. The, the, the Netanyahu claims God as his authority for his actions in Israel, okay? Now, the only uh, – well, I'm not going to say the only, but we have to consolidate our power based on God. We have to consolidate our authority and organize based on the foundation of God, like the success. Right, right. And Brother Ham, do us a favor. I'm putting a question for him. We've got a bunch yeah, of yeah, folks I'm, who want I'm, to have I'm, questions I'm, for Dr. I'm Fox. I'm getting to it. Uh, so w- w- what I'm saying is this. 
the Honorable Elijah Muhammad claimed to be to meet with God for three years and a half face to face. He claimed to have met God. Okay, and no one has been able to disprove that in 92 years or 93 years. Okay, and what I'm saying is the nation of Islam and what the nation of Islam preaches benefits all black people. So if we want to be successful, like the king of England, like the English were successful in building an empire and ruling, we have to recognize our authority and where it came from and move out on it. Now, the, the last thing I want to say, and I get off the phone, I've been, I've, I've been patient. Just be patient with me, Carl. Um, wh- what I wanted to say is it took people who believed in the king's authority to actually make Maryland, Maryland. Like, the king didn't just write on a piece of paper and then it just went in vain. There's a, there's a state, I'm living in it, called Maryland to this day. So we as a people have to believe in our authority and, and our leaders that come from God. And I believe, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, that, that authority is, is quite uh, uh, invested uh, in the nation of Islam and, and, and what it's been teaching for the last 93 years without changing. Okay? And it, I'll, I'll wait for your response on that. All right. Thank you, Brother Muhammad. Dr. Fox, you want to respond? Because there wasn't a question there. Anything you want to respond to what he just said? Well, let me just say you're right. It was not a question. The As I say in the workbook, um, we try to uh, stay away from debating religion. Um, that has d- divided uh, us uh, uh, just another uh, um, uh, uh, source of, of, of division. However, I would agree that um, most people move with the, or perhaps even only move, um, when they have the fervor, a, a religious fervor, a, rigi- a religion or a religious type of fervor and, um, uh, empowering them. So to that extent, I would agree that there seems to be throughout the history of the world no greater force um, than the idea of God being on one side. Um, and and obviously that uh, is something for us to be aware of. But I, I, I don't. Uh, this particular workbook is not uh, um, um, the, does not encourage getting into d- debates about you know religion which which one is the best one and who did what. It's just another source of division. Uh, yet at the same time, I realize that religious fervor is uh, uh, very useful in getting people any people to move. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I- 
bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller. I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. At 26 at the top of the hour, Najee's calling from Jersey. He's on line four. Najee, good morning. You're on with Dr. Fox. Hey. Hey, how you doing, Dr. Fox? Um, Fine, thank you. Um, Dr. Fox, yeah, you know, I, I agree with you with your assessment when you said about Obama as it relates to, um, you know, um, not being against the system. Because, I mean, you know, because most went because um, – I was I was doing. A he's he's a reading. defender of the system. That's why I, he rose to that position. But go ahead. Exactly, because if you really look at his policies, he did nothing but continue George Bush's policies with the bailout. Um, now, do you think that we do a disservice uh, adding to the confusion? And um, let me just be clear, because I seem to always come on here, and I seem to kind of always challenge the Democratic side of the chessboard. Uh, but when we talk about stupid black people or self-hating black people, that how, how can they support Trump? When you see the same kind of disrespect that comes from the, the Democratic Party, give you an example. MSNBC, you had Simone Sanders and you had a gentleman by the name of Dr. Johnson stressing how they need to ignore black men as far as it relates to the vote. And so, you know, so when we, when, when you see things like that and we see a push, not even that much of a push towards Donald Trump, it's that type of disrespect that gets, that gets unchecked and ignored that is also resorting, I mean, resulting to a look. Let me just Donald say, though, Trump. that we get trapped by because we are conditioned to copy our oppressors. Uh, so we get trapped into our feelings just as they do. And I just outlined how um, important their ego is to them, even more important than their money. Um, um, so I think we tend to get trapped into the same thing, and it clouds our ability to be uh, really um, uh, 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 sterile and and scientific in our analysis of how to manipulate this uh, system to our advantage. Um, as I've told people, we uh, uh, certainly uh, I feel we vote or should vote, uh, not believing that any person or party will liberate us. That's not the intention of this system that we're trying to uh, uh, survive in, but really should be trying to either control or overthrow, or both. Um, we vote uh, in order to lessen the opposition. If you study movements, as I did, uh, one of the critical factors in any movement is opposition. In fact, this is perhaps the most important, well, one of the most important um, uh, 
success of any movement, you have to consider the opposition. Um, so to me, we vote or should be voting to limit the opposition so that we can give, give us more time and space to get our act together. Uh, and I've given this example before. I've heard from people who say um, uh, one of the things uh, or the thing that I prescribe in this workbook is to form these uh, what I call into blessedness groups uh, with your friends. Uh, and people will say, where do, do, do I have the time to be meeting when I'm working two or three jobs uh, now? Uh, and I sympathize and I understand one of the tactics of, the, of, of our oppressors is to keep us occupied. Uh, that's one of the, the things that they do is, uh, control is your time. So you get a, a, a so-called leader or president who relieves that, who gives you, um, um, with that child uh, 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 tax credit, $300 uh, uh, for, for each of your children if, if you if fall into a certain uh, uh, um, uh, income bracket. That relieves you from having to work three jobs in order to support um, um, your kids. And therefore, frees up time for you to concentrate on your liberation agenda. And be that forming this into blessedness group or or whatever, um, it relieves you of that time. So uh, that person who gives you uh, that uh, much deserved. Um, uh, um, I think that's my phone, um, uh, uh, relief, is the person that you should be supporting. Once again, not because you believe that that person is some great messiah and that, that will solve all your problems, but that particular issue, if you're thinking strategically and if you have your war plan together, um, you understand it's the one thing that I disagree with Malcolm X about, uh, or, or that statement that um, there, there's no such thing as good, better, best masa. Yes, there is in terms of the type and force of opposition that um, masa or 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 or, or white uh, a leader. Uh, 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 poses for your community. So you're trying to, thinking as a general, you're trying to um, um, uh, limit the opposition, and that's the only thing, in, at least in my mind, that I look at. What are the policies that will uh, 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 give us, our community, some relief, enough relief for uh, us to, uh, to turn our attention uh, a portion of our attention to our liberation agenda so that it's not so uh, um, completely consumed with so-called survival. And that's the only question. Right. And hold that thought right there, Dr. Fox. And thanks for your analysis, because a lot of folks, uh, not a lot, but some folks feel like Najee too, and, and, and we get, it gets clouded and get, you know, they don't understand how, and how to analyze and be critical right. thinkers. Right, Biden is not going to liberate you. Uh, right. Obama mm. is not going to liberate you. You right. look for uh, the policy 
that will uh, alleviate some of the stress on your life. Go ahead. Right. And, and that's succinctly put there. I thank you for sharing that. But we got to take a short break, our last break. Thank you, Najee, for that question. And thank you for those folks who were thinking that way, too, because Dr. Fox just cleared it up. 800-450-7876. You want to speak to Dr. Fox, we'll take your calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, or information. Is power. So rolling with us this morning, 22 minutes away from the top of the hour with our guest, Dr. Jerome E. Fox. You know him from his best-selling workbook, Addicted to White, The Oppressed in League with the Oppressor, A Shame-Based Alliance. And as we speak, now we have a radiothon going on for St. Jude, and you could call in. There's a phone bank set up in across the hall there in one of our conference rooms, 800-411-9898. I know Kevin's going to go over there later and help answer the phones. 800-411-9898. This is all for St. Jude to help these children. St. Jude provides customized care for for some of the world's sickest children, regardless of their race, ethnicity, beliefs, or ability to pay. It's all on their, uh, basically on our dime, our, uh, who support. So if you've got a chance, do, they, do it, 800-411-9898. And, you know, even if you're hearing this on the rebroadcast or the podcast, you can still donate. So please do that for us today. And tomorrow, join us for another edition of Open Phone Fridays when we give you a chance to free your mind. Think for yourself and hit us up at 800-450-7876. We start at 6 a.m. Eastern time right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. Oh, let me just mention, too, uh, this radiothon we're doing for St. Jude. If you're in the DMV area, NBC4 is doing some cuttings. They're doing some reports from there as well so you can see what's going on. Let's take some more calls with Dr. Fox. A bunch of folks want to speak. Ken's next. He's calling from Florida. He's on line one. Ken, do you have a question for Dr. Fox? Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Thank you for taking my call. Dr. Fox, have we as a people, African-Americans, become comfortable with our oppression? And I ask that question because uh, I I rarely hear African-Americans asking for a nation of their own. Along with the reparation uh, movement, I think there should be us asking for a nation of our own, because the only way we are going, in my opinion, the only way we are going to solve the problems of African-Americans is through sovereignty. And we are doing, let me just ask this, say this, we are doing things that make us look unintelligent. For example, uh, black men and women went to war in World War I and World War II to liberate Europe. But at the same time they went there, they were oppressed back home, being lynched. 
And so I think we as a people should be asking for a nation of our own. I know Malik Zulu Shabazz has this. Right. And Ken, I'm going to start with that because we got to race the clock. We got a bunch of folks. Just, okay. you know, just bear with me. I want to, I got yeah. questions for Dr. Fox. So, Dr. Yeah. Fox, you can respond to what Ken's question? Yeah. Um, I think he answered his own question. Indeed, obviously, we are comfortable in this ar- arrangement with our oppressors, or else, uh, if we weren't, we would be fighting to the death um, um, to liberate our folk right now. Uh, and we're not doing that. In fact, we're trying to find every way that we can to integrate uh, with these devils as opposed to establish our own separate um, existence. As uh, Dr. Dubois uh, advised back in 1936, I think, or four, I quote him in the workbook, um, he delivered a speech entitled A Negro Nation Within a Nation. So he was talking about building, not asking for, but building um, um, our own uh, nation within a nation if we're not going to go elsewhere to do that. All right. 18 away from the top. Yeah, let's go to Baltimore. Kareem's waiting for us online, too. Kareem, good morning. You're on with Dr. Fox. Hey, uh, I just wanted to ask a question um, as far as us giving power to an individual that we know is doesn't have the power in the in How does how do we how do we break out of that part of it in terms of we what we already know is in essence ours. I'm not sure you're giving power. I think his question is, and Kareem, I thank you for your question. I think his question, why is so much power and credit given to, to uh, our oppressors? I think that's the basis oh, of his question. Is that it? Okay. Well, here again, I suggest that you get uh, the workbook because I redefine certain terms, and one of those terms um, is power. And one of the more important terms that I redefine in the portion where I talk about thoughts for today. And I, I specifically mention that uh, in so many words, the definition of power that we use is incorrect. Power is the ability, as I define it, uh, to define yourself and reality and the courage to live these life definitions with perfect acceptance of their consequences, including death. Whereas power is intrapsychic. Nobody has power over anybody else. That's a misnomer. Whereas uh, power is intrapsychic in your, within you. Influence, on the other hand, is interpersonal. But even with influence, you use your power to decide who will influence you, whose uh, uh, talk or or uh, positions you will accept, and whose talk and positions you will not accept. Um, most people, when talking about power, are really referring to authority. Authority is the privilege to protect, educate, correct, 
and uplift others, not a license um, um, to hate and abuse others. However, our enemies use their authority to do just that, hate and abuse others. But the authority is given by the society that you live in. Um, 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 and, you know, that's why it's important to understand that you have the power, therefore, uh, to take that authority away, to ignore that authority, to uh, die fighting that authority, if you choose to do so. All right. I hope that sunk in. I hope you understand what Dr. Fox just said, Kareem. Thank you for your call. Fifteen away from the top. I got to have an open mind as well, family. Bobby's on line three. He's calling from the district. Bobby, your question for Dr. Fox. Bobby's gone. All right, let's go to Sister Denise then. Salam alaikum. Sister Denise calling from Richmond on line four. Sister yes. Denise, good morning. What? Good morning. Like salam. Brother Carl, you can hear me? Hello, sure. Brother Carl? Yes. Yeah, okay. we can hear you. Yes, thank you. I'm so glad. I always love when Dr. Fox is on. I want to say, make a statement right quick. Our problem is that I believe we've gotten comfortable, too comfortable, and also it's a lot of fear. We keep looking for one designated person to step out there in front and take all the weight, and we sit back as cheerleaders, but we really don't support them. Can I just say that I completely agree that we're constantly looking for martyrs Mm -hmm. to, as you say, to put them in front, just to simply be martyred. And I I, I devote a whole section in the book about fear, Mm -hmm. and I say that it's the uh, that uh, fear. Let me just turn to that. Is the most. Um, I think it's like on page one, thirteen or fourteen in the uh, book. If people have it, I'm trying to get there real quick. Yeah, fear, crippling fear, is the only thing that prevents Africans from engaging in fierce and continual battle against white oppressors. And also what you said, um, that I believe we are not as um, um, dissatisfied with this arrangement as we claim to be, um, because we're, we're invested in it. We have our little jobs, our little income. We have our little houses. Um, we have our TVs and our cars. And in truth, we have been, uh, uh, allowed ourselves to be satisfied with just surviving. Uh, we, uh, we, we really don't think about thriving, quite frankly, um, unless it's, you know, through some kind of criminal activity. But, um, and that is the problem. Uh, you have to be, um, as the AA people uh, say, um, uh, 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 insight uh, uh, doesn't motivate you. You have to feel mm-hmm. like you know. Uh, um, uh, seeing the light isn't going mm-hmm. to motivate you. You have to feel mm-hmm. the heat in order right. to get off your dust and and do yeah. something. And we don't feel the, the heat, quite frankly. We're comfortable. Yeah. Absolutely. Minister Farrakhan told us that we need to look in the mirror because they look for the leader in you. That's and right. One of the things we don't right, do. Right. Stop we looking don't for. We don't financially support our people. 
we put them out there and just allow anything to happen. Like you said, we're looking for models because you're not really looking for leaders. But one of the things I, I want to say is that I truly believe, as our last time this report, separation is going to be our only solution. You know, we look at what the Muslim woman would Muslim believe, the greatest reparation program is in that, in the back of the final call newspaper. But thank you, Dr. Fox. And Brother Carl, if you can get Sister Sheena my number, I would appreciate it. I want to talk to you about some things. All right. Uh, just leave your just leave your number with, with Kevin, and I'll get to Sister Sheena. Thank you. Thank yes. you, Sister Denise. Wonderful. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Dr. Fox. Thank you, Brother Carl. Uh, Dr. Dr. Fox, we've got a few minutes left. So I want you to, to you, in your book, you say there are five core white values that we're addicted to. Can mm-hmm. you explain those five core white values for us? Yes, just very quickly, um, on page 11, uh, um, everything white is is good or better or best, and everything black is bad, inferior, or worthless. Um, uh, white value number two, things uh, uh, we put things above relationships. Uh, so and, and we'll do awful things to each other uh, in order to get things, break our, our bond with each other, um, uh, ignore our relationship in order to just get money and things. And, of course, white people do that all the time, and that's why I call it a white value. White value number three, white oppressors are trustworthy recorders and interpreters of history and reality. That's why we don't challenge the news, the history books, or anything else uh, produced by white folk. White value number four, individualism is better than collectivism. Hence, obligations to the group are subordinate to personal gain. Uh, That's why uh, we are so prone to uh, betray uh, the black community. If some, you know, cracker is feeding us a few pennies, on on the side to support our organization or, or our, our political movement or whatever. Um, and then white value number five, uh, the best way to feel good about yourself is by surpassing, outdoing, and defeating someone uh, else in an activity, achievement, or personal characteristic, uh, um, leading to incessant and really inappropriate competition with each other when we should be uniting instead with each other. I just want to say very quickly, too, uh, I understand this is, what, the 20th anniversary of TV1? Uh, Am I correct about that? Well. I want to uh, congratulate you um, and all the people at TV1 for the work you do, um, and I thank you sincerely for putting me on the air to get this message across to our people. No, we think that you need it. I, I got to tell you, the response that we get every time you're on is just it's just amazing because people are hearing this for the first time, and and many of us at some point we're all were addicted. Yes, and some we are, are still addicted and. And don't know that we're addicted. And that's why I, I wrote the workbook, because we've got to start working on our, on, on each other and ourselves in these groups that I prescribe. And, and, and if we're going to have any success in fighting um, our oppressors. So true. So if folks want the book, how can they pick up a copy of the book? 
um, you can ask at any um, uh, bookstore, and they should be able to uh, uh, secure it for you. Um, but it's also uh, sold on Amazon.com. All right. Thank you, Dr. Fox and family. If you haven't got the book, pick it up. It's a great book. And you'll and be able to spot the five, the, the five core white values that some folks are addicted to. You, you'll just be able to see them. If you're just mm-hmm. having a conversation, you're going to say, oh, that's white value number one. That's white you'll value number, especially yes. white value number five. We're always competing with each other. Yes, you'll hear we're, it. We're black. You'll see it. Yeah, you'll, you'll see it. So thank mm-hmm. you, Dr. Fox. So right. thank you for turning on the light for us. Okay, um, before we you. go, we just want to remind you that we're still continuing this uh, St. Jude Radio Fund, and it's going on right now. It's going to go on all day right here at Radio One. You can call and become a partner in Hope. Just reach out to us at 800-411-9898. That's 800-411-9898. We've got a phone bank set up in our conference room here in our studios in Radio 1. Because We're doing this because families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, or housing, or even food. They do this so they can focus on helping their children to live. So family would appreciate if you join in with us and do that. Again, the number is 1-800-411-9899. 9898. We're done for the day. Have a great day. Stay strong. Stay positive. Please, please. And I mean this really. Stay healthy. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 o'clock, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV or on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power.